Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Jay Weinberg from Slipknot, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Paul Moak. Paul Moak's Paul here. Paul Moak's here. Let's give it Yay. up. We're at HQ4. Now, listen, everybody at home, in the room, in the control room, because mm-hmm. yes, we have engineers right now, multiple of them. We're at HQ4, which is Paul's studio smokestack. We're sorry for future episodes. This is going to be the best sounding episode we've ever had. It's true. We are in Paul's lovely studio, the smokestack studios in Berry Hill, Nashville, Tennessee. I would like to start off by... If I may, if I may request, Please. making a pretty big change. Okay. I would like to start calling the smokestack HQ3. Yeah, I think. And my I would car like to start calling your car HQ4 <laughs> because not only is it the least common to- place we record, it's a forerunner. <laughs> Do permission? Yeah, hunt. <laughs> permission granted. Yeah. So let's officially from now on, it's HQ, official. HQ3 is the smokestack. It's smokestack. Okay. Yeah. That does remind me, Paul, of you. We were in a group text last week and you asked. For permission, may I? What did you say? May I please request advice from you guys? Oh uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Permission, <laughs> permission granted. <laughs> please speak. Please. Uh, we're here with Paul Moak now. When we heard that James was checking himself back into rehab, the Metal Up Your Podcast family and the Metallica family at large, mm-hmm. we're bummed, and we did some emergency episodes to get the word out. And I put on our socials because all of our listeners love you so much. With with it's mutual, and we completely understand why but i said we put out the bat signal to paul yeah because i know that one of the things that would have brought a lot of comfort to a lot of our listeners is hearing your perspective not just of the james situation but just hearing you back on the show in general yeah people always want you back i mean if it were possible you'd be on every episode my heart is warm which we're still working on but by the way is is the ass kissing segment still are we where are we at on that i just have a quick question what would paul's bat signal look like would it be like a silhouette of a, a head with some dread. Yeah, it'd be like a Rastafarian dread. <laughs> or would it be like like a like a motorcycle tire Ooh. or something? What do you think, Paul? What would your bat Well, if be? it was part of a motorcycle, it wouldn't be the tire. Not the tire, <laughs> but like the whole deal. The tire and, and the rim. Okay. Spokes and all. Still, I would like opt for the engine or the handlebars. Okay. I don't know, because Batman's is a, a bat. So yeah. I was wondering what yours would be. Right. I, I, I think the I like Rastafarian guy is yeah. the guy. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Or just a, just a Jamaican flag. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Paul lives here yeah, in America. Well, here's the deal. It's episode 143, and we are sensibly gathered here to talk about the film. We're going to review the film. The film came out. I went and saw it on the 9th. You guys saw it on the 13th. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, the, we're going to have some uh, facts here in the news section coming right up. Uh, they've added a, a, a third viewing due to popular right. demand. So we're just going to give our, what the kids are calling these days, hot takes. Hot takes. Nice. Which I admit I don't really know the derivation of that term. Like what a hot, is it? Like a hot cake. 
I know hot cakes. You know it's you know what they're 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 delicious. You want to eat them up right away. And when someone makes them for you, it's it's a good it's a good feel when someone makes you some hot cakes. So this is our hot. You describe what hot cakes are. I think it's the same thing. We're we're about to dish you up some some good information, our thoughts and perspectives. Oh, is he right? After I'm pretty sure movie. that's not I don't how think that's hot it. cakes came about. I don't think that's it either. I'm like, I never said that's how they came about. I'm saying that's how I perceive it, okay? Do you have a jingle for hot takes? Well, I, I, you know what? I'm writing one in my mind I right now. I think it's written now. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's how I write songs, by the way. I just They occur to me, the genius of them, fully formed, floats into my brain, and then I say, yep, another one bites the dust. Yeah. And then I get ready to record it at a future date. I don't even have to fucking write it down. Right. It's amazing. Um, I must say I'm having a good time with you guys already. We just got here. Yeah. I can't stop smiling. I'm so happy right now. I just drove in from Memphis and I'm just like, this is just a great treat to walk into. And you guys had a nice lunch before this also. We had a nice lunch at Baja Burrito, yeah. We did. That's our spot. Okay. Well, <clears throat> here we go. We're going to do some housekeeping before we talk. And so we're going to just burn through the set list and do our quote unquote hot cakes for all this. <laughs> I had I had kind of a unique experience by myself in the cinema. You guys got to be bros together. I the, missed that. In the third row, in the, bros. In the theater. So we're going to hear all about that and, you know, what everyone's highlights were, et cetera. The boys are in the news a lot. So we'll just start with this. As I previously mentioned, the screen, the, the, the we're about to read a lot of statistics for this. It did really well. It did so well that they're adding another date. And so this is what the official release says. Following last week's international release of Metallica and San Francisco Symphony S&M 2, the film has cemented itself as the largest ever global rock event cinema release, having earned $5.5 million at the box office across more than 95 countries and more than 3,700 cinemas worldwide. That's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. Take that, Marvel. Take that, in-game. Yeah. Thor Rangarok, or whatever it's called. It's called Rangarok. Is it? Okay. No, no, it's called Rangarok. What constitutes a rock event cinema release? That's some PR bullshit spin right there. Is it mostly just like probably one-off concert experiences like? Well, I mean, I guess what the question would be, how many how many bands have released live performances in theaters? Metallica obviously has with this. Well, like through, I'm through thinking the Never. Through the, Never, the Last Waltz. Last Waltz, yeah. I mean, documentaries, I don't know if that's the same, but this is like a, this is a, a global rock event thing, so I don't know if documentaries would count. I see every time I go to the movies, there's usually some kind of ad for a live, even if it's like, Frozen on ice, one day only, you know. Right. We'll take that frozen on ice, one yeah. day only. It says, Trafalgar <laughs> releasing are now pleased to announce that due to the success and continued fan demand, the film will be returning for one more night worldwide on October 30th. Here are a few more stats so that may be interesting to the fam out there. Following the initial run of screenings worldwide, the film achieved a significant global screen average of $1,500 with 460,000 admissions. Damn. The box office in North America saw the film reach $1.2 million on the first day of release. The film reached number four at the North American box office, number three at the UK. So, so the, the, I start to glaze over a little bit at some of these. It did well, honey, please. Oh, honey, please. I mean, honey, I, mean, I well. took they Lucius. Added a, they had another day, that day for you to take yourself and your dog. We, I mean, we took Lucius and Valentino to the dog-friendly theater down in the Lower East they Side. They loved it. All I needed, all I, and I told the cinema people that worked there, I told them I needed a little doggy ball with Evian because Lucius only drinks Evian. Well, how does he? I don't know how he knows the difference. He has a very sophisticated palate for a dog. Well, I mean, they, I mean God, their, their sense of smell is unlike any, anybody we know. Well, one, see, Valentino, he, you know, he, he loves Fiji water. One time, I had someone who was completely out of Evian. Like the whole town was completely wiped out on Evian. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to make do, and we got Dasani. And I poured the Dasani, and I said, Lucius, honey, baby, your water's here. And it's the sweet Evian you've come to love your whole doggy life. Don't worry about it. He took one, one sniff of it and said, and he said this. No, no, ma'am. 
It was in Bach form, but it, it was no, I could tell. Well, he Bach it. I speak Lucius. Anyways, um, here's the deal. Metallica.film is where you get the tickets. That's a really, I'm going to say it again because it's kind of a weird website. Metallica.film. Yes. I just went to Fandango. <laughs> you can go to Metallica.film too. I believe it actually just takes you to Fandango. So. Okay. Second order of news here. Now, I found this interesting, and this will lead us a little bit into some Hetfield talk. Okay. Metallica, so for a while it was Metallica XX website with a countdown. We didn't know what that meant. Is it the DVD release of SNM2? All has been revealed with time, of course. And what it is is they've announced five headlining festivals. It's 10 shows in 2020. And I thought it was interesting. Two nights at each festival advertised as two different sets. So I'll read the quick blurb and then we'll, we'll speculate a little bit about what this means. In an exclusive agreement with Danny Wimmer Presents, got to get the fucking Promoted, promoter's name in there. Like anyone is. cares. Um, Danny Wimmer. But you know that that was in his contract. And whenever oh, yeah. you mention this, you mention Danny Wimmer Presents. Is that his accent? <laughs> whenever you mention this kid, I got, I got kicked it up from up top. You okay, mentioned yeah, Danny boss. Wimmer Presents. Yeah. Oh, okay, boss. Yeah. Yeah, when I'd say jump, you jump. Oh, how high, boss? As high as I goddamn need you to for Danny Wimmer Productions. How was that, boss? Yeah, yeah, That nah, was all right, kid. All right, Metallica, boss. Nah, you, do, do by, you do right by me, you'd be okay. All right, boss, thanks. <laughs> it's, Danny Wimmer Presents Metallica is slated to perform two separate headlining sets in Charlotte. So it's Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. May 1st and 3rd through 3rd. Uh, Rockville in Daytona Beach, Florida, May 8th through 10th. Sonic Temple in Columbus, Ohio, May 15th through 17th. And Louder Than Life at Highlands Festival Grounds in Louisville, Kentucky, 18th through 20th. Oh, and there's one more, Aftershock in Sacramento, October 9th through 11th, 2020. So the band will close Friday and Sunday of each festival, performing different sets each night. Lars says, this is something we haven't done before. During a news conference announcing the Metallica XX shows on Thursday, how awesome is it that 38 years into a career, you can find new challenges, new mountains to climb. We're really looking forward to next year. Okay, cool. Now, we have to address a few things dealing with this. First of all, all of our Australian and New Zealand friends, not all of them, many of them were kind of pissed off at this news. Right. So we have to explain, I think, that this has probably been in the works for a long time. Yep. Absolutely. This isn't, they canceled Australia and they said, well, what will we do now? Instead of uh, rescheduling, let's just do some stateside festivals. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't, a, this wasn't an afterthought post-James going to rehab. Like, well, I guess we'll do that. No, this is, I mean, festivals of this magnitude as well, um, we've all done them. Um, these aren't booked like a month out. Right. This, on average, it's like, I mean, Louder Than Life just happened like a few weeks ago. So did Aftershock. Hailstorm yeah. just played it and right. stuff. And so Metallica was probably booked for next year before it happened this year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's how those things, the, the timeline in which they work. It's, it, it's, there's so much that goes into putting on a festival, so many bands over multiple days. It's not, yeah, like I said, it's not something that gets booked a month or two in advance. Like, yeah, I guess we'll have Metallica this weekend. Right. So that's and kind of. And for them, they've been hitting it so hard for the last few years. I think 2020 is probably like, they probably sat down a year into the the album cycle. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, we'll probably be done with the majority of the touring for this album cycle. What are we going to do for 2020 to keep you guys in the public eye, but maybe not hit it as hard? Right. It's like, well, let's pick the ten biggest festivals, and I mean that—that that to me is probably how that whole conversation yeah. happened. I'm surprised Smokestack Fest isn't on there. <laughs> I'd like to see them there because it's a lot closer. That's correct. That's I also. We're not good that. at event planning. That's well. That's probably not also put on by uh, Danny Wimmer. Danny, yeah, yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. Boss, we don't have the Metallica at Smokestack Fest. That's fine, boss. Yeah, we tried to reach out to one Paul Moak Jr. Yeah, to what, try to what work a fight, out a deal. <laughs> I'll take hey, care of him, boss. Yeah, we couldn't work it out. 
Um, well, so, you know, I argued with a lot of people on Twitter about this. I understand a lot of people are, are upset. However, you have to do what I have to do in my life and all of us have to do in the land of grownups and check your butthurtness yeah. against what's real and what's true yeah. about logistics. Right. Well, and yeah. those dates aren't going to go away. Which dates? The the Australia and New Zealand. They're going to come back. Yeah, yeah. They, but but, to, but I mean, uh, at a show recently, I was talking to a, a promoter. I think I mentioned this on one of our episodes, but he kind of broke down for me how this plays out on a scale that big. Yeah, and just to, to get all that back together is a huge ordeal. The pieces that have to move around mm-hmm. are so massive that they're even mildly unfathomable to me, and I live in this industry right yeah just not on that side of it so well and even you got a band like slipknot that you know they were confirmed for the australian new zealand tour who knows what their schedule was next year when now they're trying to figure out where we can fit this in and still have slipknot as the opener because that's what people bought yeah tickets they probably for. can't i mean to, to get those two things to align again is going to right. be pretty tough yeah so yeah and and you know again to the australian new zealand fans it's nothing personal mates all right. That made it better. It's just you sort of half saying mates in a half Australian accent. All right, mates, listen, it's nothing personal, right? All you Sheilas and blokes down there, right? Our boys are going to come back even stronger than ever, right? Crikey. A dingo ate your ticket. A dingo temporarily ate your ticket. So let's talk about what's good about this. So the good news is unless, unless they are seriously a ship without, a, you know, a, a uh, captain. captain, is that what I'm looking for? Captain, rudder, a sail. sail. Man, you guys are killing this metaphor a way more bow. than me. I don't know why I even started trudging into the waters of that metaphor without nice. knowing how to finish it. Uh, <laughs> either they're completely lost, and this is they're trying to save face, and they're hoping things will be okay by then, or maybe maybe they know that things are looking pretty good yeah. for 2020. Yeah, that's all. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough thing. I think when someone's in rehab, it's like while you're in there. You, you probably can't really make decisions like, yeah, let's confirm that. But they also you don't know. But they also kind of have to. My guess it's like, is like, hey, the business is still has this still has to go on. Yeah. So you know, let's, let's knowing, maybe chat with James and see what happens. Knowing their history and like the, you know how the band continued trying to you know stay active in the studio while James was in rehab, like, hey, well, let's keep let's keep it hot while he's gone, so that when he comes back, we're you know, mm. still in it. I I can imagine a lot of this stuff that's coming out now is stuff that was in the works. And it's like, well, let's let's keep it keep it rolling. Yeah, a lot of this was probably going to be announced anyway, right? Regardless, that's what I'm and like currently, they should be in Australia right now. But I don't I don't think of it as like they're calling James and being like, well, should we announce the the 2020 shows? I think they're like, let's let's just keep the Metallica thing going while he's gone yeah. and hope that well, it could everything have been a, works out. It also could have been a thing when like right when he told the band he was going in or something. I'd imagine he did. Or because hypothetically speaking, he right. called Lars Kirk and Rob and said, Hey, this is what's happening with me, and my family. I'd imagine he might have said, like, hey, all the stuff that's planned for announcements, yeah, let's just stick with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean I guess we'll never know. It's all speculation. Well, yeah, we're all this is I, what maybe, I think maybe about they're doing everything. it without James. Huh? Let's speculate on that. Maybe they're going to get the drummer from Slayer to be the front man of Metallica. Yeah, Dave Lombardo. Follow the flowchart here. Follow the flowchart. Or maybe John Bush. John Bush, finally. I don't even want to have this conversation. <laughs> I'm choosing to interpret it positively in that uh, p- perhaps the what led James to, to check himself back in might have been more on the preventative side. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that he ha- and that it was a big enough deal to cancel uh, a sold out ten show stadium tour. Mm-hmm. But that things were looking pretty good for next year. Right. 
what did you think of the news? I mean, what did you think? I know we were all texting the night that we all found yeah. out. It's pretty shocking. I, th- I think it everyone hit me was really pretty hard. Shocked. Yeah. Um, especially because he was sober for so long or, you know, he might still be, I don't know. Right. But at some point I think I had just registered in my brain that, Oh, James is good. It's done. Yeah. It's done. The work's done. I I kind of strangely felt that way too. I mean, I think I had a couple, uh, I mean, no like reservations really, but just like, Oh man, like my brain kind of went to like worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, well, what if he's been kind of hiding stuff? And I think some people are over speculating things like, well, Look at him five years ago to now. He looks way older, and you know, like it's like okay, well, I love yeah, that, that argument. Five years ago, yeah, exactly. He is five, older, Danny. Yeah, five years ago. Well, on top of that, it's like he's been growing his hair out. The mustache doesn't make him look any younger. Stuff like that. Whatever. Yeah. Blah blah. Ethan, blah. Ethan, it's oddly he seems in the last five years to have aged. He looks at least five years older. But things like you know, but people have been like I'm saying over speculating that kind of stuff where it's like oh, he's gained some weight and this and that. Like okay, okay, calm down, everybody. That's what people do when when we don't have facts and information. Exactly. Yeah. I in the in the depths of my heart and in, down in my my bowels. Whoa! I believe. Whoa! 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 I feel it everywhere. Is what I'm saying. I, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I'm really off to a great start with what I'm about to say. <laughs> I'm with you guys. I honestly think it, it was a, a preventative thing. At least I hope so. I wonder if I wonder what we'll find out. Like I wonder how transparent they'll be about what it was. Because honestly, they don't owe us a lot in yeah. terms of no, details. They, don't owe us they can come out and say, "Hey, I'm back. I feel better." Let's go Let's play some gigs. Wait a minute. When is the 20-year anniversary of some kind of monster? That would be... 2023. 23. Oh. Well, maybe they're filming everything right now. To <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe this is all yeah. to commemorate some, some kind, kind of monster. Of monster. Wow, that would be incredible. Yeah. Phil, Dr. Phil Tao comes back. Oh, dude. Phil Tao. Oh, no. I, I, you know, Cosby speaking sweater. of like maybe what the, what the band or James will come out and say once he's out of rehab, think of the technology at the time to now back then we didn't have iphones right didn't have twitter there were some smartphones coming out but we didn't have social media in 2003 right myspace right yeah no one probably knew that metallica was going through what they were going through they right they were, they're, they're, oh they're hold away making it until record. the movie came out right then everyone's like holy shit i mean I, no i think it was in the news really like kurt loader reported oh yeah yeah because that's news. in the movie yeah yeah. Was um, it Kurt Loder or Tabitha Soren? I think wow. Tabitha. Tabitha. <laughs> I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Martha Quinn person yeah. myself. Mm. I'm I'm a downtown Julie Brown. Downtown Julie Brown. Peace. Mm. Isn't that her thing? She goes, Peace yeah. and love or whatever the Ringo thing. We were taking people down a, a memory lane. Well, you TV. can't go there without so, saying Matt Pinfield still rules. Adam Curry, come on. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'm done. Go. So my point being. Uh, now that it's like everyone's obsessed with social media and gets so much information every day of their life, I wonder if they're going to feel any kind of obligation. Not that they need to give us anything. Right. They're going to feel any kind of obligation to like have some sort of explanation. Like, here's what it was. We're back, and that's it. End of story. Let's move on. I don't know. Time will tell. I'm, well, they didn't give us any info on the Ticketmaster scalping. I mean, not scalping. the. Uh, yeah, they let that one go by. Yeah. Yeah. The resale. Probably smart. Yeah, because it did kind of... It did kind of... It was... That's more businessy though too. Like I feel like this is so personal. Yeah. They, I think that they would want to let their fans know. Yeah. Well, I, at some I, point, what's I, going I, on? My wife and I, and we talked about this a little bit in the episode, but my wife and I were surprised that they were so transparent about what it was. It could have been uh, personal and illness. Uh, they could have said a lot of things, and my wife was like, "Well, for them to have canceled." made a cancellation this big, this close mm-hmm. to the dates, it kind of had to be the real deal. And, right. you know, they have, they're have they're pretty transparent with their yeah. fans. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. Again, I don't feel like they owe us an in-depth explanation. 
All I care is that Hetfield gets healthy and happy and his, his family is intact and they, you know, strive on and make more music and play live shows. And what do you guys absolutely. think it means when they say two unique sets? Because that's obviously a big selling point yep. and they're doing Friday and Sunday. So they're, they're trying to sell the weekend pass and make the most money. Right. Does that mean the same two sets at all five festivals? How different are the sets going to be? Right. Because if it's kind of like, what I'm kind of needing it to be, or what I'm hoping it is, is two completely different sets. Mm-hmm. That would be completely different. so dope. Didn't y'all on one of the podcasts talk about a record one night? Or there's, maybe we were just texting about there's it. There's been people like on the forums. And, maybe they're going to perform media. in Justice for All. And right. Well, it's 10 shows, 10 albums. But I mean, I, I, I can't imagine them. Does that include Lulu? <laughs> does not. It's on I feel bad record. for whoever gets that. I just couldn't imagine them getting, in, getting into HQ and like, all right, let's relearn all of sane anger yeah you know crazy. i just can't right. imagine them doing it i think it'll just be a lot of <clears throat> kind of what they were doing on the european tour a lot of deep cuts that just haven't seen the light of day in a long time mm. stuff like that and but see if they're calling two unique sets <clears throat> kind of two of the same meat and potatoes with like four rotating slots that's not gonna cut it for me i'm hoping like more than that yeah you know what it's I'm saying? gotta be more than that like i can what see about the closing with enter sandman and stuff what about guest appearances yeah awesome that could be cool I don't know who else is playing these festivals. Did, has anyone seen an official lineup other than Metallica? I'm imagining they were the first thing announced for all yeah. that stuff. When we first heard, I sent a text to Paul and Ethan, citing specifically Columbus, Ohio, and Louisville, Kentucky, and said, road trip? Road trip? Yeah. Because Seeing how I'm a musician go. and I don't really know what I'm doing two weeks from now, know, yeah. I'm totally in. I know. No, no, right now we're always in. Let's, yeah. let's do it. We're going. And then, once, yeah, two, maybe even a week out sometimes. Especially at the end of summer. It. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, we'll we're see. making it happen. We're going to try to do something. In the same way that the three of us said we were all going to watch S&M 2 together. <laughs> yeah. Well, who who bailed on that? Was that you me? You did. Me? No, we did. I think you guys did. No, I was no you saw town. opening night. That was the original plan. And we couldn't do it opening night. Yeah. It's our fault. It's not us. It's us. Well, in less heavy news, here's some uh, here's some merchandising stuff they've got going on. They've unveiled new additions to their Nixon watch collection, which I must say I have the Kill em All watch and I love it. Okay. It is a quality watch. I'm not being paid to say this um they added three more designs bringing the number of thrash timepieces to 11 <laughs> thrash timepieces the inner sandman design is exclusively for fifth members they're all available available for pre-order and they ship november 1st so the one i got is the cheapest one it looks really great it was like 120 bucks yeah. which i think is worth it it's cool and um Whatever, there's that. You can text Metallica. If you like time, go get one. Oh, you know what I can't do? I can't read my text because my phone is videoing this episode. Oh, no. Dang it. Oh, no. Well, okay, it came out this weekend that you can text Metallica. You probably shouldn't do this because there's... Let's, here's the fact. Okay, you guys ready for some brutal facts? Lay it on us. They don't want to text you. They don't want to talk to you or me. Are you telling me that it doesn't go straight to <laughs> Lars' Lars cell said phone? in the video that... This is... What would his phone look? It'd be like Kim Kardashian. It'd just be insane. Constantly going off. Yeah. Well, this is definitely some sort of promotional gimmick where they get they're they're getting demographic the very uh, least insidious. They're getting demographic information about right. you. Absolutely, it's they're, marketing info. But they're definitely storing that number and will likely use it dubiously. Like the on future. their favorites, so they can call us back. Exactly. Uh, if you want to now, I know all of this in my mind because I'm a smart individual. However, as soon as I saw this, I texted them. <laughs> I do you remember at all remotely what your text was? Well, so here's what I'm thinking: like this is going to some kind of weird burner phone, 
it might not even be going to them. It might be going to like some management person, someone sure. whose whole job is just read these damn texts. It's Cliff at Q Prime. But he's I know that they, it's Cliff Bernstein. Yeah, yeah, he's on the toilet at home. His wife wants him to come to bed. I got to read more of these goddamn huh. text messages. So, but I but I thought well, and I, I'll tell you this too. I sort of selfishly was motivated by maybe this is the way I can talk to Lars about the podcast. <laughs> okay. Lars is just sitting at home staring at his phone. He's, still, he's sitting by the Bay Bridge. He's a single silver tear. Finally, Clint texted me. It did. I, I did go sincere, though. I said, hey, Metallica, this is Clint from metal, from the All Metallica Podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have my phone, but it said, uh, I've been a lifelong fan of your music forever. My co-host Ethan and I are both professional musicians. We would not be doing this job without the inspiration and your music. Oh. So, you know... Uh, and then I had a, that's why well, I was like one whole paragraph much more eloquently because yeah. there's a poet in here somewhere mm-hmm. trapped there inside is. of me. I can see it. The second paragraph was more like, thank you for all you do for your fans. We want to send love to James Hetfield, who is an inspiration to all of us and whose honesty and transparency about recovery is going to save lives. Absolutely. Wow. Did that's you awesome. end, it any, any, end it with any cute emojis? I ended it with the... <laughs> I ended it with a, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I'm working my new like catchphrase. I love it. The cat's banana. The cat's yeah. banana. No, I ended it with a love, yeah, peace and love and respect. Awesome. And pizza and soft drugs and gongs and smokestack. And yeah. Winky emoji. And winky emoji, yeah. Clint and Ethan. Awesome. No response though. Mm. Yet. Well, You'll yet. get a response uh, when they finally have the whole pool of everybody's numbers and they send out the mass like, hey, you can pre-order the next blah, blah, blah. Hey, 205, that's yeah. my number. Yeah. Thank you for... Thanks for your text. Uh, in other, so anyway, the number again, 415-936-1981. Get it? That's the year they formed. Isn't yep, that cool? Got it. That's pretty cool. Hey, speaking of that, this isn't even on the old agenda here, but Ron McGovney finally got back to me. I, I, I made a, you know, yeah. a Hail Mary pass to Ron McGovney and said, hey, man, we would love to have you on the show to talk about your legacy in Metallica. No dirt, no bullshit. Okay. All in love. Yeah. He wrote back that he'd be interested in doing it, but he says he has hearing damage and that he mostly reads lips. Yeah, crazy. Wow. And he did, you know, he did this Chris Jericho podcast about a year or two ago, and he said that he was in the room with Chris. Uh-huh. Right. So, well, kind of sounds like a road trip to North Carolina might be in our future. Done. What? How fun what would that town, be? Do you know? I don't know. What if yeah. we, if possible, time or schedule permitting, what if we went to that festival in North Carolina, in Charlotte? And did a little detour. Went by old the, the McGovs residence. Yeah, I thought about how to respond to that because you can't send a DM unless they follow you, and he doesn't follow us, right? Because he's a butthole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I didn't want to say this publicly, but I wanted to be like, where would you be comfortable? Like, what if we did go to town? I don't want to be like, hey, can we come to your house and yeah. right. you know take a shower and you know use your toothbrush? <laughs> but well, I did want to be like maybe a hotel conference room nearby, right? Right. Or like, yeah. I would because if because a if neutral he, zone, <laughs> a neutral zone. Yeah. Hell yeah! Because if he's down, well, maybe he'll meet dude, us. Just treat wait. it like a Craigslist buy. It's what like we, you don't. Yeah. My wife give him would your love that. exact address. Yeah. Let's we'll meet, meet halfway. We'll, we'll meet in the Home Depot yeah. parking lot. We'll meet in the Home Depot parking lot in Knoxville. It's about halfway. Wherever he, I'm not sure where he's in North Carolina. But right. Oh, make him come. Make him come. Maybe he'll come halfway. Yeah. Hey, we could all go to the aquarium together in Chattanooga. Perfect. Yeah. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds beautiful. Anyway, I thought that was cool. He seems like such a cool dude. I think we're going to do it. We're going to get Keep chasing him. it down, man. Um, all right. More merchandising stuff. They've partnered with Stance Socks, Metallica.com. Also, Billabong.com for a bunch of surfing crap. And uh, and then Kirk also got a new ESP USA V1 metallic gold guitar. How do you feel about it? Have you seen it, right? Love it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. I'm not into it. Oh, come not on. into what? The color or... 
the the shape. How about the big KHs on the pickup covers? I don't like the KHs on the pickup covers. It's, I mean, what's the dude supposed to do now? He's got every guitar. Ever I know. Made. What do you do? What do you do when you can have but any guitar it, in the world? Here's the thing. You okay, get it's, your initials it's, on your pickup. It's covers. slightly reminiscent oh, yeah. of the Randy Rhodes V. Yes. Um, there's another little extra, not a notch, but it's like this weird thing when it comes into the neck on the bottom side that looks kind of goofy to me. Uh-huh. And I don't dig. I just not. I don't know. You know, he had one he was going to give to you, but he heard that you weren't that into blew it. it so. Totally. I mean, that would it. it would look like a flying V mandolin on me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I dig the color, man. I do it's too. Cool. It it's just cool. a lot of gold. It's just uh, gold is in, bro. Like you know, like a gold top Les Paul is bitching looking, and but then you you know you'll have like an ebony fretboard, or rosewood fretboard, and it's not metallic gold. It's nickel hard, right? Like it almost. I don't know. This is you know my opinion. Sorry, I'll get backlash. I know this, but. It that metallic gold to me almost makes it look kind of cheap. You can send your angry emails to Ethan Luck at. <laughs> I think for you, I think it's the fact that the hardware is also gold. It's, it's too, too much the gold. Things, yeah, I get that. It's like what I imagine like Trump's toilet would look like. It could just <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. Oh my god. Don't take you, it there. Uh, is this supposed to be a Metallica podcast? I come here to get away from politics. You said the word Trump. <laughs> I need you guys to pretend like you don't live in the world where there's a president that you're concerned about. Look, I'm I'm stoked that Kirk is really excited about the guitar. Great. I, I'm stoked to see him play it live. Yeah. When I look at other people's guitars or, or another musician I respect uh, might purchase or whatever, I just kind of think like, well, would I play that? And for this guitar, the answer is no. Well, Paul and I both, uh, we both like it because we're better Metallica fans than you. Well, so you know what else? It also goes on to the next round of the Sweet 16. I feel, and we could get into this when we get into the movie, but I feel like the scope of Kirkdom, mm-hmm. he's at the top of the the, the sine wave right yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. Or I the, agree with that. the ocean wave. He's surfing the wave. Because he wow. surfs and you can go to Billabong.com. I think he's in a- He's hanging he's in a, right now. He's in a good spot. Uh, yeah. He's kicking ass. He kicked ass in the film. Yeah, Dude, great. he so did. He did. Yeah. He really did. I'm excited about it too. Except yeah. one part I want to talk about. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So the bill, you can. I mean, I was compiling this today. I'm like Billabong, the watches, the socks. That's a little much. Metallica turning into Kiss. Yeah. Well, they've got a long way to go to be as annoying (laughs) as you you can get Metallica shoes. I got them. I have them. I know you do. You can get an entire Metallica outfit. The thing is, I was like, I was like looking at all this, and I was kind of getting bummed about it. Like they're kind of becoming like you know, like the Willy Wonka factory of Metallica crap. But then I realized I have most of this. Yeah. <laughs> I have toys. I have t-shirts. I, I do. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of their well, target a, demographic. Here's the thing, too. Like, bands forever always make band t-shirts, and we love them. We wear them. We buy them at shows, online, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes, go on. So what's the big deal? Like, it's still merchandise. Well, here's, here's the deal. It's not cool, but it's fun. <laughs> it's I, I think cool, that watch is fun. cool. That watch is badass. It's Socks, cool, dude. Uh, let me ask you this, Paul. Would you get Metallica Birkenstocks? Uh-oh. No, no. I'd, I'd get Dave Matthews Band Birkenstocks. <laughs> I mean, they they those sure are just Birkenstocks. Aren't hey, they? by the way, they, they make them right. They they're this is their first year eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they got nominated. Wow, people are very unhappy. But guess why? how happy? Why they're not rock and Pe- roll? Here's why people are unhappy: because people are, are fucking unhappy. People are unhappy, and. You know, mad and that pe- whole thing is just such a mad people or sad people, and of course, it's all it's, it's all, all silly. Yeah. yeah, it's a big it's, it's club. It's, it's it is meaningless. it's meaningless in terms of what's great rock and roll that should be, you know, preserved right, in some yeah. sort of club. That's right. out because because you know, fucking Whitney Houston's going to get in it too, right, and whatever right. she's great, but rock and roll, 
Right. Same thing can be said for when hip hop artists get inducted. I love it. I think it's well, awesome. Biggie Smalls is nominated, and people yeah. are upset about that too. Well, fuck off, because I think it's you know rock and roll, punk rock. Like I think there's that element of of music in other genres of music. I think there's punk rock in hip hop. I think there's rock and roll in hip hop. Rock and roll is an attitude. Same with punk rock, you know. Absolutely. Pop but music the, isn't really an attitude. But to this me. is but, this is a not no attitude. This is like an elitist club of yeah. it is yeah. You know, millionaire record execs that right. are like, yeah. what can we do to move a few more units? So who'd you vote for, Paul? For what? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I was trying to insert a funny joke, but oh, anyway. yeah, you yeah. said millionaire executive. Well, here, here, who else is nominated? Who was definitely beginning in? Who deserve it? Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah. And Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Um, Houston, I think it'll go to Soundgarden just because of because Chris passed away. Yeah. I think Motorhead too. Motorhead. Because yeah. I did see a thing with the other two Judas Priest, the other MC2 two five. members of uh, Motorhead. They got invited. Well, at, at first they didn't, and people there was like uproar about it. Yeah. Apparently, I saw it on Twitter this morning when I was laying in my suite in Memphis. And uh, <laughs> so they ret- basically retracted the nomination, put it back out with those with the other two members. Wow. Yeah. Well, I remember when Pearl Jam got inducted, they Jack had Irons. all five drummers on the thing. Well, they invited right? all they five. They invited them. They didn't get yeah. inducted, though. They didn't get inducted. Oh, I got So you. Dave, was it Dave? No, Dave Cruson got inducted, right? The yeah, drummer for 10. Because he was, well, that was the 25th year. Right. Of 10, right? And Dave Aberzee. That's why this is pointless. Dave yeah. Ab- well, Dave Aberzee is like, before. Yeah, for, Dave Aberzee didn't get in. Well, hang on. That's crazy. So I had a bunch of drummer friends that are. Big Dave Eversees fans. Before Pearl Jam even said anything about the situation, that dude got on fa- on his Facebook page. He blew it up. And just went on this rant about He's like- He's a butthole. I was on the most formidable records and blah, blah, blah. The most <clears throat> what? Formidable records or whatever, like <laughs> verses and Vitology. And I immediately got turned off by him. Like, dude, you're a badass drummer, and I love watching the Unplugged performance and all yeah. that stuff. But the band hadn't even said anything. Mm. And he already was like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you weren't on the record that was the reason you're in being inducted. Right. Give me Jack Irons. Give me Matt Cameron. Boom. I, I love Dave Eversees, but most most nerdy Pearl Jam drummers, I have a few of friends. It's too cymbal heavy. They are, yeah, very splash heavy. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he has a splash problem. But it yeah. was in vogue. <laughs> splash problem. <laughs> it was in vogue at the time. What do you do, Paul? Because for those of you who may be new to the show, Look how many splashes are over there. I was People say, leave them by accident. There's like 30 of them. I set all splashes up when I was here last. Yep. So Paul is one of our favorite producers in town. What do you do, Paul, when you got a band in here and you got a splash-heavy drummer? You got a drummer with a splash issue. Um, how do you... How do you? Every time he uses a restroom, we just remove one. <laughs> Where'd my splash well, That's why I go? keep the lights so low. It's like... Can't tell what drums yeah. are missing. No. Hey, man, we, you keep missing the splash symbol, so we just took it out. Sorry, bud. I feel in. like drummers come here with splashes and intentionally are like, thank God I can finally leave this. Right. Yeah. But you have you would have to come on and be like, hey man, that take was awesome. Listen, we've got some really good passes with the splash. Let's maybe do a few passes without the splasheroo. Yeah. You ever called it splasheroo? I've sort never of, called it yeah, a splasheroo. Sort of soften the blow a little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I would feel better about that, you know, that harsh that harsh. <laughs> have, I, have I ever told you the nailed it story? No. Uh, I was working with a band and uh, they were very young. It was their first time in the studio. And uh, I was like, all right, well, let's let's just play the song top to bottom, see how it goes, and kind of get a sense of where we're at, you know? They go in. I mean, it is terrible. It was my record. And we this hit, was no, no, no. looks, let it burn. Uh, like, like, I'm, there's problems with every single instrument. And I'm like, taking a deep breath during the, the take, and I'm like, oh, God. It gets to the end. Being a guy that I want to drive everyone's spirits and pump everybody up. I'm, I'm like, all right, guys, why don't y'all come in? Let's listen. We'll talk about it. And the drummer stood up 
threw his sticks down and yelled, nailed it. <laughs> wow. In complete sincerity. Wow. I mean, he nailed something. Had, yeah. Hadn't even walked he, out from he, behind he, the kit yeah. yet? No. He nailed, wow. I, he nailed, nailed it. <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like something a, a, a bad, not a bad drummer, but a, not a studio experienced drummer would say. Sure. So what did you, so how do you, how do you address that? How do you deal with that, that type of bravado? Um, well, f- that wasn't even the worst thing. The other thing is when we would listen back to the playback, he would air drum along to the parts that he had played unknowingly, like like it was a tick. And then I'd stop the track and he would go and put his hands down <laughs> and then I'd press play and they'd come right back up. So I just started <laughs> pressing play and stop really fast. Rip, rip, like see if I could experiment. catch him. Um, we, you know, we just strip it all down to the, the ground and take our time, build yeah. it back up again. Hey man, let's, well, first of all, let's work on our definition of nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's um, start with that. Let's start with this. I'm kind of glad it hammer. happened though, but it's given me 10 years of like, anytime I really mess up, you know, I can yell, nailed joke. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, Oh, I get it. from. All right. This is a Metallica podcast. I've told, <laughs> um, Kirk Hammett says he has, quote-unquote, a lot of kick-ass material for the next Metallica album. Let's hope it's not in his phone. Well, over 500 musical ideas. It took me a long time to recover from that, and I got it into my head that I had to produce twice as much. Basically, I overcompensated. Hmm. So as it stands, as we speak, I have a lot of material, really kick-ass, great material that I just can't wait to show the other guys and turn into some music, record, get the album out, and have more kick-ass metal. So if my math is correct, he said he had 500 musical ideas, and he said he wanted to do twice as much Fifteen thousand. Oh, thousand and fifteen hundred. I love when we get into math on this math. on this show. Right, it is just one of my favorite little tangents we go on. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. So we can expect that Kirk is going to bring a thousand riffs to the table. Can you imagine bringing an idea to James Hetfield, even Dude, if you gosh. thought it was pretty good? Well, he's you know he brought Metallica's biggest song idea to James. You're probably yeah, feeling so pretty. Confident. There's precedence there. Feeling pretty confident since if James is ever like, I don't know, Kirk. That one's uh, almost kind of lacking something. Uh, do you remember the song "Enter Sandman"? Yeah, sorry, James. Uh, it's kind of something in my mind. What's the last song we play at every show? The one that brings the house down. Hang on. The one I that think, literally everyone in the world. I think I know how to play. Hang on a second. That one, James. What's that song called? Who wrote that one? You did, Kirk. And then he ends with a big booyah. Yeah. Kind of a. Early no, he ends with Booyah. it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, knowing both his, their personalities, that's probably exactly how it goes. <laughs> he throws his gold, gold guitar down and goes, nailed it. <laughs> well, I'm excited about Kirk having ideas because as, as Paul just reminded us, some of their coolest shit was when Kirk was being created with the band. And of the course, Bridge of Creeping Death. I, I still maintain that the guitar playing on Death Magnetic is just a tour de force of amazing metal guitar playing. Yeah. So I hope he's more involved. And I'll say this too. I think the guitar, the lead work on Hardwired has really grown on me. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like the solo in Dream No More is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of cool moments like that. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's all the news. Thank you for camping out with us in the news corner. We're going to segue here to a little more housekeeping. We're going to read a few emails. We are on iTunes. If you like the show, leave the positive review. If you really like the show, you can go get on the old Patreon which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Such metal podcast. You can hear a commercial about it. The commercial, guys, is definitely outdated. Um, so we need to make a new Patreon commercial pretty soon. A updated one? Yeah. Shall we? But what we like to do is at least give a shout out to our new patron. So Ethan and Paul hey. are going to read the names this All right. Week. We have Brian Reynolds, Tyler Hull. Sorry, Paul. I put you on the screen. Ryan Bonovich and Larry Levine. 
Levine. Levine. Creepy Adam's place. brother. Adam's, Adam's younger brother. brother. Great. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thoughts on Maroon 5. Hotcakes on Maroon 5. <laughs> Hotcakes. Um, their old, early stuff didn't bother me. The, uh, this Love song or whatever. Yeah. By, Pan- by Pantera. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say, a, a, a couple of years back, a suggested video on YouTube came up, and it was them covering a Clash song. And I was like, Whoa. uh, 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 uh. I remember being like, wow, good job, guys. That's good. Uh, we played right before them at Jazz Fest one year. I was playing with a country chick named Laura Bell Bundy, and uh, we stuck around and watched it, and it was quite awesome. Yeah. Great band. I was yeah. going to say, I, I was playing for uh, one Mr. Richard Marks in the early 2000s, <laughs> 2004 maybe. This is true. And we played. Whatever you okay. do, I will be right here waiting for oh, Paul. And we, uh, we played a bunch of radio festivals that they were headlining because mm-hmm. they were super popular at the time and i thought they were great live yeah yeah um super bowl not so much no super bowl was agreed. a little agreed this is also why i would don't i also feel I like they turned from a band into just a pop like a pop thing of course yeah totally i like bands it's kind of a shame when that happens because yeah. they really were a band yeah, yeah. Col- coldplay also the same trajectory yeah uh ish yeah less dude than, have you heard their last yes. like two records there's no their, band. Their right, last two have, records are... They, most of their catalog is great. Their last two records are like super pop vehicles for Chris Martin. They, they're like Chris Martin solo albums. I, I, I totally agree. I, I still think that Maroon 5 is maybe jumped to the pop world a lot earlier. Right. Uh, once again, I'm being reminded and told from the control room here that this is a Metallica podcast. Oh. <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. Right. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for the reminder. Go get on, involved in the Patreon. Why not? We're on the socials, Twitter, Facebook. And here's the deal. We get emails every week. We're super backlog because we've all been really busy, but we like to check in with the Metal Podcast family. We read five a week, and then we will talk all things SNM to the film. Let's kick it to the email corner. Let's do it. All right, our first email is from Ryan Reynolds, the actor. Um, first email is from Chris Reynolds. He says, regarding The Unforgiven 3, it's crazy how perspective can change uh, change your feelings on a song. I like the, the Unforgiven 3, but it was never a standout track for me. Watching it during SNM 2 performance, I gained a new appreciation for it, particularly because of what, what occurred with James right after that concert. The, ly- the lyrics felt like a diary entry. Agreed. Uh, a few days after that, I listened to the studio version, James' vocal delivery, just before the solo hit me right in the gut. I never felt the power of that lyric in, um, and the way he sings it before. The song has a whole new meaning for me now. It's cool to find something new in something old. Mm. Keep rocking. Chris Reynolds, brother of Ryan. Well said. Cool to find something new in something old. I like that. Mm. Something new. Something old. Wherever you go. <laughs> wherever you do. Uh, wait, what's the other one that y'all do all the time? Two worlds colliding. I was there. Yeah, little in excess never hurt no one. Actually, we do a lot of breakout. Musical yeah. type I mean, style. It just songs. depends. Yeah. Well, it depends on what comes up. Well, like Whitney Houston going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. And I, <laughs> Does she do I want to dance with somebody? That is Whitney yeah, Houston. That isn't is, it? yeah. Son of a bee. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Hell yeah. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> but somebody only who, with somebody who loves me. Yeah. Which I got to say, honestly, I got to say, Ooh. that criteria, uh, standards are a little high. Yeah. You got to dance with someone who loves you, but a lot of times you don't know if you love someone until you've danced with them a few times. Mm. You never know. All right. Uh, thanks, Chris. Matt Kerr writes, hey, guys, when I'm not listening to Melody Podcast, I listen to a few true crime podcasts. A case that interested me 
has been that of a serial predator and probably serial killer, Jesse Matthew, who killed two women in Charlottesville, Virginia. One of them was Morgan Harrington, whom you may remember disappeared from a 2009 Metallica concert. Whoa. Metallica swung into action to get the word out that Morgan was missing, and the very next day, James called the Harringtons. <clears throat> and then he actually puts a... Um, there's a clip that we'll listen to now uh, of the... Uh, there's, a, I guess, her mother, Morgan's mother, on a recent episode of like a true crime podcast called The Murder Squad, talks about James calling the next day. So oh, interesting. let's listen to that real quick and we'll come right back. I know that when Morgan was missing, the band Metallica had, had come out. and I believe they did a video um, to try and help because she was wearing a Pantera shirt. Have you ever heard from any of the band members of Pantera? Not, not from Pantera. The um, uh, James Hetfield from Metallica was really lovely to us. Um, like, you know, a day after Morgan was missing, he he called the house and spoke to Dan and said, you know, as fathers, we are outraged. What can we do? And the the band on their um, um, fan base generated the first missing posters from Oregon. And, you know, while we were still pretty shattered and um, um, immobile, they were getting a message out online to um, try and find Morgan. And that's fantastic for Metallica to not even, it's not like they found it after, I mean, to, to be, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that it was the day after, even before yeah. probably the police had acted. And then you have <laughs> James, who's the, the leader of one of the biggest bands in the world, you know, jumping into into action and calling the family. I mean, uh, Matt says, I think that really speaks to James's classiness as a person. Someone died at a Slipknot concert this summer. Do you think Corey Taylor called the family? Uh, he might have. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Corey Taylor's a cool dude. A fan was stabbed after an Amon Amarth concert in Edmonton a few weeks ago. Do you think Johan Hegg? Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. It's hard I don't know to not laugh. Is. This is such a heavy paragraph. He won't call me back. His so. name is Johan Hegg, so I couldn't help but laugh. Uh, did he call the victim's family? He says, I'm not saying that either needed to, but James went the extra mile. He could have let management make the call, but he didn't. True. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I think it's things like this that explain how this band has remained relevant for almost 40 years. Wow. Well, I didn't know about that. Did you guys know about that? No. I don't think I did know about that. Um, I'd like to also quickly interject about the Corey Taylor thing you said. I mean, Corey seems like a very cool dude. Yes. You know, um, maybe it just wasn't in the media that he called a family. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I know that if any fan dies at your show, it's got to be heavy, unless you're some crazy ass person just on drugs all day and don't even give well, a shit. And, yeah, and, th and this in the Metallica part, they didn't even know what had happened to her yet. They just knew she was missing. So mm, for right. him to call and offer just whatever small i mean i just know if my kid was missing uh, right you know i don't know if a phone call from the band's lead singer would be that helpful but it is a what is james it sorry i'm just gushing right now james if i have so many questions <laughs> um one of which do you know where my daughter is but uh also how did you uh come up with that riff to call cthulhu um <laughs> <laughs> should you be looking for your daughter <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're on it but it's cool you know what that reminds me of is the rock skilled uh pearl jam show where yeah. the nine people died and right. there's that. So I don't want to like over dramatize it, but there's, I remember seeing this picture in a magazine after that happened, like Rolling Stone, where when Eddie had gotten word that people might be hurt, he like very coolly and calmly said, every, they stopped the tunes and he said, on the count of three, I want everyone to take like five steps back mm -hmm. yeah, and kind of, commanded the crowd mm -hmm. but when they when everyone stepped back there were like you know nine bodies wow and then there's a it, it, there's a picture on the jumbotron of eddie 
seeing that and like crying. Yeah. Wow. It's like, I, I couldn't imagine shit. that. Those are your, I mean, not only are those your fans and they are, are there supporting you and, I mean, those are human beings. That, God, that's I awful. can't imagine. Have you guys ever had anyone get really hurt at a show you were playing? Uh, just me emotionally. But. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, the nothing, nothing at all to that extent. I mean, someone might, you know, like break an arm or something, but, you know, in a pit. Or There's something. a really big Texas festival called Live on the Green, which I know we have a similar mm-hmm. thing here. But it's in this big park, and I was playing it with Bob Schneider. And right in our encore break, the promoter came up and said, uh, like a five-year-old kid is missing. Mm. the parents don't know where he or she is can you make an announcement and we played like three songs after that I think we made an announcement but just knowing that that kid could either be hurt or someone who with with evil intentions could have had the kid Mm -hmm. we found out later that they found the kid and everything was cool but man that that was as close I've ever come to anything like that wow so it says a lot about Jimmy James Hett Senior Squire the senior third What's next here? I think it's me, right? right, Paul, yeah. Paul's going to read an email. Stan Pearl. Hey, guys. (laughs) Hey. Hey, Stan. Well, there was an exclamation point. Uh, Like many of us, I was at the local theater to see S&M 2 and had an absolute blast. It's sort of awkward to be caught between wanting to react like I would at a live concert, but then feel the weird social restraints of etiquette in a theater. Well, pause. Why didn't you heed Rob's advice and get up? Yeah, Rob said to stand up and yeah. headbang. And I will say the people behind me were singing loudly every word, and I found it quite annoying. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, everyone lived your truth, et cetera. Yeah. In fact, one guy behind me inexplicably yelled, yelled it in the theater in a quiet moment, Baba Booey. <laughs> Baba Booey? <laughs> well, that's from like, apparently you don't watch Howard Stern. I don't watch a lot of It's Howard a Stern. really famous uh, guy. The producer of the Howard Stern show is a guy named Gary. His nickname is Baba Booey. Okay. And people who are big Stern fans will, in public places and like on news broadcasts, will butt in and yell Baba Booey. That's it's so sort weird. of a cultural thing. Okay. Someone did that in the theater here in Nashville. Wow. And I like Howard Stern. I know what Baba Booey means. Yeah. But I could not extend the proverbial spiritual fist bump to him. Yeah, I would Because I found it incredibly fucking annoying. <laughs> Paul, go ahead, please. Well, I mean, that's what he's talking about right here. Social restraints of etiquette in a theater. We thank you, Stan. Unfortunately, for those near me, I erred to the former. We all probably love the same song, so I won't go down the track road, but I did want to say that I was surprised how emotional I got during Anesthesia. What Scott Pingle did, at least in my mind, is a historic milestone in Metallica history we'll be referring to for years to come. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I think it was that big. I don't mean to sound dramatic or sappy, but I could hear Cliff while Scott was playing, not in a weird mystical po- in a weird mystical way, but just that my memory made those connections to the years of watching Cliff's videos, and it just made that moment extra powerful. I went to see an encore showing, and it had the same impact. Looking forward to going back to the SM2 episode with Scott now that I've seen the whole show for myself. Much love to you guys, but even more love for the Joyces. Oh, honey, thank you. High five from Oklahoma. Stan. Nice. Very cool. I love a good high five. <laughs> Honey, as long as it's a high five, because uh, we, Joyce and I here took a vow of celibacy with our dogs. Probably right. no low fives. 30, no too, 30 down to, low, too slow. 30, no that. 30 to 35 years ago, but at least. <laughs> uh, well, that's really cool, man. For those of you who may be curious, jumping on the ride for the first time, who have continued listening. We did an episode with the bass player from SNM2, Scott Pingle, super lovely guy. Awesome dude, yeah. Of course, the episode with the conductor, Edwin Outwater, is currently live. Currently. It's awesome. 
Louis, oh, go ahead, Ethan. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, Pardon. That's right. Pardon. Louis, pause. What? Can you guys, like, what does it feel like to know that you're that tied into the Metallica thing that you can I mean, it's no have an interview with the conductor of the S&M? I've been S&M taking a bath in Benjamin's for the last couple of weeks. Just I mean, Uncle Scrooge style, bathing in money. It's just, I've, in, in all seriousness, I got? it's crazy it is, knowing yeah. that a few years ago we were sitting around a table and like, mm-hmm. Let's do a podcast. And look at us now. We're in HQ3. There we go. There we go. If we were in HQ4, then things would not be looking so good. HQ4 runner? HQ4 runner. Have I been on the only HQ4 episode? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only time we've ever done that. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny at the time. We have HQ1 It's it's still funny. But it was a little bit of a branding issue. A little bit of a branding issue on the front end. Yeah. HQ4 runner is better. Kind of like calling this podcast Metal Up Your Podcast, which I've had to explain to no less than 17,000 people. I know. Wow. Well, they were going to call Kill the Ball Metal Up Your Ass, but the little record label said no. Well, let alone explaining what a podcast is to people. We've had to do that also. No, it comes on your phone. No, it's free. No, it doesn't. It's like, (laughs) that's not on my phone. (laughs) Uh, It's right next to the U2 record. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no shit. Um, next email is from Lewis Lima. He says, thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much to you guys. Uh, the show is the best. I became a patron last year, and I'm able to say that you are my friends in some way. All the impressions, interviews, etc., make this podcast even better. Oh, this is nice. And a special shout-out to, e- to Ethan today. Happy birthday, man, and I hope you, you have a blast. Oh, happy birthday. Yay. Thanks, man. My birthday last Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. Where are my gifts? I'm on P.O. Box <laughs> 1982. Um, uh, cheers, buddies! When you come to Rio de Janeiro, I'll buy you a beer or two. Louis Lima, thanks, Louis. thanks, Louis. That's Brazil. awesome. Come to Brazil. Come to Brazil. I don't know what it is, uh, but Brazilians. I've played down there, and it's madness when yeah. you play a show. I have too. But, oh, cool! Oh, cool, guys. Um, let me guess. So we're also going to talk about how you've both played the Tonight Show and how Tonight you both, Show, yeah, Tonight and how you've show, both yeah. been nominated for fucking Grammys. Yeah, but yeah. Paul's probably won a couple. No, never no, won. Devil Award nominee. Um, <laughs> are you going to continue talking about I was Brazil? Just saying, I mean, the, the Brazilians are amazing people and they're, they're super rowdy at shows Yeah, but it is funny on social media and this has been happening for years and if you're in a band you can always go through your comment section there will be a bunch of come to Brazil comments mm-hmm. it's just it become an ongoing joke amongst touring band members I think it's pretty funny it's got to be tough to be an avid music fan and just never you know so rarely get great shows yeah, Rock and Rio was a bummer. I mean, but frequent frequent touring. No, I mean we're lucky. Like, Anytime a, I mean we live in Nashville. Even Nashville gets passed up. Yeah. But think about living in L.A. or or you know living near the Garden or living in Atlanta. You're right. going to get whatever tour comes through. Right. Yeah. We kind of take that for granted. I grew up having to go to Atlanta for shows. Yeah. From uh, Birmingham. See, it was a weird transition for me because I grew up near L.A. So I, I could go to L.A., Orange County, or San Diego, whichever. Irvine Meadows. Irvine Meadows. Yeah. Yeah. Play there. Um, Played there too, man. Uh, Clint, you for sure have probably it's Verizon Wireless now. Well, it's gone now. Oh yeah, actually, even there anymore. I actually have played that. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. I have one thing that you guys have fucking done. (laughs) I was opening for somebody. I wasn't headlining it. Zach Brown band. No big deal. Headlined. (laughs) You headlined it. You fuck. You did really. One time. Well, it was a festival, but yes, we were the last. You guys played MSG. Yeah, one time. Where's that? Madison Square Garden. Oh, I didn't know that it had a hip cool. Come uh, on, man. MSG. Come on. Yes. You have, yeah. Okay, cool. Guys. I did, but it was not a cool event. But all right, here I'm gonna take, I'm gonna brag about shit I've done, and let's see if you motherfuckers have done. All right, this. let's see. Okay, the gorge. Yep. Yes. All right. Let me keep going. Hold on. Hollywood Bowl. Yes. Yep. 
I, can, I can even one up you on that one, but go ahead. <laughs> How are you going to one up me on that? I did two nights there sold out. Uh, me and Chris Martin played together. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was when I was playing with Kings, and he came out and did two songs, and wow. he was like right in front of me, and we had some head nodding moments like connected. All cool. right, I'm severely running. I've got one last thing, but okay. I know I know that the answer is already Red Rocks. Yes. Yes. Well. <laughs> anyway. Okay. How about this? How about this? You, I, I would be surprised if you haven't done this because this is still on my bucket list. The Ryman. I've done the Ryman. I have not done the Ryman. Really? Never done it. Loser. What I'm a like total loser you are. I am shocked at what a loser you are, bro. I can't believe it. You can't believe you haven't done the Ryman. Dude, what unreal. What idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's almost so like. You ever done the Opry? Yeah. Yes. Uh, not for a cool event, again. Um, but I did get to do it. Uh, I will be at the Ryman with Brandy. But once again, but just, I won't be playing. Just, just real quick, once again, just real quick. You have not played the Ryman. I'm just trying to understand. I know I'm a fucking loser. Wow, wow, I wow. Know. I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the listening room Anybody? in New York? No, no, no. Here, oh, here, the one on Fourth Avenue, <laughs> the brand new venue. Have you guys played uh, the end? You guys played oh, Denny's. Yeah. You guys played Denny's in Athens. Yeah. Huh? Who hasn't? O- opening slot. Uh, they pay you in grand sausage. <laughs> <laughs> did you get free moons over my hammy afterwards? <laughs> they pay you in vegan sausage links. <laughs> okay, our last email is from Tyler Hole. He says, uh, who's a new patron, by the way. Thank you, Tyler. I've been a fan of the podcast for two years. Decided to stop effing around. So we keep things PG here. <laughs> Yeah, fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> Stop effing around and join you all on Patreon to show my support. I've been a Metallica fan since '94 when I was 10. My brothers, who were supposed to be babysitting me, snuck me into the uh, "Shit It's the Shed" tour in Oklahoma City. I've seen them 18 times since. I mean, I met all four members in a meet and greet in 2004 on the Madly wow. and Anger with the World tour, and they couldn't have been more welcoming, humbled, and happy to see everyone there. I'd like to do a Metal Tales on the one-off Aussie show of two- 2008, the Ozfest show. Lots happened on stage and off. Love you guys. Love the show and keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Thanks, and, man. and of course, I'll add you to the master list. So what Tyler's talking about, if you're unsure, is we've been doing a thing called the Metal Tales from the Road in which a patron can sign up via emailing us the way Tyler just did and say, hey, I went to whatever show uh, and I would like to tell you about it. So we've been covering the entire tour. But the cool thing now that the tour has been winding down, and again, RIP to the Australian and New Zealand shows. Mm, uh, we're opening the Metal Tales up for any past shows that you've gone to. So right. that's actually going to get really exciting because the set lists are invariably going to be a lot different from tour to tour. Some of these people are even signing up. What are you, what are you getting the giggles about over there, Gigglehead? Giggle McGiggleson? No, You're still reveling in, in the abject losery <laughs> of not having played the rhyming, which I have played I, one whole time. I was just wondering if you wanted to do a Metal Tales on playing the rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> I can interview you about it. I mean, I tell just, me what it was like to step on that sacred ground. I mean, I am all time. about talking about my incredible experience playing such a legendary place. Um, <laughs> that only winners where, play. Where mostly all of my friends have played, except you. <laughs> but I just, man, I don't want to bum you out too much. Okay. Well, Tonight Show Grammy, blah 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 blah. I, I did not know that you had not played the rhyme. I've never played the rhyme, man. It bums me out. <sighs> shame. It's the should. shame. I think about it all the time. It's really weird. Have you played, honestly. The, have you played the high tone in <laughs> He's Memphis? Being it, I'm being serious. <laughs> it is weird. You've been in like 18 bands that are household names. It really is weird that you haven't. It's really funny and sad. I know. I, I mean, I've, I've tried. I've <laughs> gone probably, down there and knocked on the damn door. Like, <laughs> it's probably the saddest thing I know about you. Is, is that? It's sad but true. It's your biggest failure. It's a yeah. massive failure. It is a failure. I feel like a loser. <laughs> 
<laughs> Loser. I'm hammering it so hard because it's all I got with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. This is a great angle. Uh, I'm going to write to the whoever decides those things. All right. Thanks, Tyler. If you want to be on Metal Tales from the Road, you got to be a patron. Come sign up. Good God. Let's get out of the emo corner and talk about S&M to the film. Please. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion Festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in North Dakota somewhere. We want to hear from you. Since Ethan and I started Metal Up Your Podcast, we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories. Well, this is it. To make yourself eligible for a future or past Metal Tales episode, please consider joining us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you not only get to come on the show as a guest, you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. All right, guys, walk me through your entire date. Did you pregame it? Did you go to dinner? Did no. you talk at all? So uh, you were high tailing there. Yeah, I had a I had something before, and so I I put the thing in my Google Maps or whatever, and and it's it's like you're 25 minutes away or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I get to the exit to Opry Mills. Mm-hmm. No traffic on the a, whole way on a Sunday. On a Sunday to the exit, the little you got to go around about. Yeah, it's horrible over mm-hmm. there. Total traffic jam. Yeah. Yeah. It took me longer to get from the exit to the theater that's like a quarter mile away than it did yeah. to... That's what's frustrating. You can see that little service road, yeah. which is right by the Opry, which, by the way, they sometimes do the Opry at the Ryman. They do. <clears throat> I've played the Opry at the Ryman. Same. Yeah. <clears throat> Same. <laughs> Damn. No, I haven't done that, so I'm a double loser. Yeah, it's weird. The traffic gets really gummed up over there. That's kind of the story of Nashville now. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic so anyway, all that to say, it was there was maybe three minutes before the the movie, and I ran up, and he had my ticket, and we just ran in and grabbed our seats. What? Yeah. What, Holding hands. What? <laughs> well, we, no, we we did a we did a, a pre bathroom break. Yes. Yeah, we did that. I was yeah, going like, to say together. a pre bath. I was like, I don't want to have to get up during you know anesthesia or something. And right. I had, to, I had to take a potty break in mine. During, I got, during I, what song? Uh, we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair. Although, just like when I went and saw Tool. Right when Ecstasy of Gold started, a guy got up and went to the bathroom. I'm like, what? you fucking dummy. Like, what are you doing? What was uh, the theater like? Was it half full and it was packed? What I would was the say vibe? it was three quarters. Three quarters full. Yeah. yeah uh, um, it was a Sunday. It was the second showing. So I, I didn't expect it to be as full as Wednesday night. 
But uh, it was very tamed. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of hear some people singing along, but it wasn't like someone banging their head and like No Baba Booies. No Baba Booies. Nope. None of that. Um, we had some chatty Cathy's behind us. I don't know a little bit, yeah. But it, I got to say, it was fucking loud. Yeah, it was. Yeah, mine was loud Way too. louder than I expected, but I- It wasn't uncomfortable, it. though. It was no. like concert- Volume yeah, is awesome. That has to be on purpose. I mean, yeah. it, it felt louder than like an average movie, even during like an action scene or something. Yeah. Well, let's get into this right off the bat because yeah. I was very curious and and particularly Paul's opinion. Yours a little less so because you have not played the Ryman. Once again, Ethan Luck has not played the Ryman Auditorium. It's true. Um, the Mother Church, as we call it here yeah. in Nashville. It's oh, kind it's of a called- rite of passage for any seasoned musician. And yet, Ethan <laughs> well, I don't still own a, hasn't I don't own it. like a wide brim hat yet. So. Maybe that's, that's not why you didn't play that's not it. Bro. Why? No, Shoot. no, no. You don't have to have that hat to play. I know you just, that, have, to, I know you just that, have to be an esteemed, seasoned musician of a caliber that would be invited to play well, that I, venue. Okay, well, shit. Maybe so, one day. But I am, to a lesser degree, interested in your opinion. When so, you go to shows to see other bands <laughs> at the Ryman, do you just, is it happy but kind of sad at the, same, at the same time? Sometimes. <laughs> is there a Ryman shaped hole in your heart? <laughs> there is. I will say when when I do those shows with Brandy as as the drum tech in January, it'll be kind of a bummer. I'll be happy for her all day long. She's Let's an amazing. I finally made it to the stage. She's but an amazing I can't boss. Play. I will say this: I have not played there. I have walked across the stage one time. That's even went, sadder. When I went and watched it's even more sad. Tenacious D. Oh, I thought you were going to say when you like paid for the tour. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Like he snuck in a little fucking ukulele and went bling. I have played the Ryman. Just so you know. Um. So. It was kind of frustrating and interesting. So my hotcake, henceforth now, please, will be referred to as hotcakes. Okay. Can we get confirmation that we're still rolling? In we're still rolling, Zach? Oh, look, they've left Brendan the intern. Brendan? Are we still rolling, Brendan? <laughs> yeah. You're supposed no, to No, we the need button. you to come on the speakers. Yeah, hit the button. He doesn't know where it is. Uh, that's okay. He said he's been here for six months. Six well, months? you got to work your way up what to the console, What are you teaching man? him? <laughs> We're teaching him to label the headphones. He got We're... me a LaCroix. Is that all yeah. you hey, taught man, him? Hey, man, I'll take a thumbs up. So we got, we, he's we, a good dude, we've Paul. Confirmed I bet he's running. played the Ryman. Yeah. Oh, dude, throw a fucking dead cat at a bum in Nashville. <laughs> they played the Ryman before you, homie. You are the last guy to not play the Ryman. <laughs> well, maybe I can get a damn Kickstarter going and give 2,000 tickets away. We to a Make-A-Wish foundation for you, man. When they when they tear it down to build condos, you're going to be so oh, upset, I'm be so man. bummed. Get it wow. in now while get you it can. In now. Well, it's I w- too late. It's, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably too late. I wish I could say, it's, it's over I hope they don't tear it down. Yeah. They Dude. probably will. Yeah, a lot of things are changing here. Okay, now, what was really fascinating, so my hot cake, as I said, was I thought it was incredible. Now, there were a few moments where, especially after Cthulhu, like when James came in to sing on Bells, I felt like the vocals were kind of hot. A little hot, yeah. But I also chalked that up to this weird, like, surround sound theater experience. My my takeaway was that I thought it sounded incredible. It kind of felt like I was at a concert, it really which did, was yeah. what I really loved about it. And like being at a concert, everything's not perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of bummed me out to see the negative, which there weren't as many, but it's like anything. The negative voices tend to be the loudest. But people were saying it was awful. Mm. And so, yeah, so of weird. course, both of you being musicians that I respect, you, again, a little less so because of the Ryman thing. Uh, but especially you being a mixer, I mm-hmm. thought, I want to know what they think. Because maybe... Because I kind of came out saying, it sounds great. Wait for the vinyl. It's going to be incredible. And then I kind of thought, do I just not know my shit? But I was relieved to see that apparently it's been theater, theater. And and we also found out through um, Edwin that they're still a long way from the final mix of the the recorded version. Halfway there, he says. I would listen to that. What what we saw, if you threw that on a record, done. I agree. That sounded great. 
Yeah, here's my pancake on it. Is uh, <laughs> your flapjack? Yeah, it's it's going to be totally situational. If you go see S and M two at the Malico Theater in Madison, Mississippi, it's probably not going to sound as good as Opry Mills, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, that was just built, you know, ten mm, years ago right, or whatever. Right. By by former uh, Ryman performers. So. You're at, you're at, yeah, you're at the mercy of some sixteen year old kid that's setting up the movie to play back. Right. You know, um, so I think we lucked out that we saw it in an awesome theater with an awesome sound system. You know. It, it is mixed for uh, movie theaters. I don't know. I'm not totally hip on how movie theaters are set up, but it's usually like 8.2 or whatever. Yeah, it's and, crazy. Yeah. And so, again, if you got a, you know, ever-changing staff of teenagers that are rolling through that theater, who knows how the thing's set up right. to sound? It's curious to me that they, <clears throat> that they got it out to cinemas so quick. Like, I wonder yeah. why they did that. I mean, what, it, do I you mean, think it was one of those deals like when you make a record, like for example, for you, Paul, if you've got some sort of the brass side of things saying, uh, we've already started publicity and, yeah. and, and a tour starts being, and, and so you almost are working backwards to that date. I you think, think maybe it was that? I think the release has everything to do with the press side of Metallica and yeah. keeping the train rolling. The excitement of it, of, yeah, yeah. of the actual shows and stuff. Because that's that's actually true. They can make, build all this excitement in October for the cinema, right. and they get to build, they get to do another round of excitement about S&M in February with the right. release of a record. Yeah. That's actually pretty, and, that, that yeah. explains a lot. And, you know, I, they're probably having conversations all the time about how do we keep the a, attention. The conversation about Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. When everything's so like here today, gone tomorrow mm -hmm. with, social media that actually <clears throat> explains a lot too about the watches the socks yeah the billabong surf crap right totally <laughs> what you just gave me a blank stare i don't know why. sorry i did it give you i did give like... you like a brief sort of thousand yard you've never played the rhyme and scale <laughs> that's exactly what i thought it was um, i apologize for that that's okay <clears throat> i knew that it was going to be a, so I've, I've thought about this too like because i was alone and then of course knowing that soon after these shows james checked himself back into rehab it had a strange kind of like gravitas for me the whole evening. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if I'd been with you guys, it would have been more of a, oh, this is so exciting. Right. But I, I even thought in the interview process before they interview a little bit of Michael Tilson Thomas, mm -hmm. a little bit of Edwin, and then you get the four boys kind of giving you their spiel. And, and when Rob said, don't sit down, stand up, like yeah. our theater clapped, and I immediately got chills. And I kind of had an inexplicable lump in yeah. my throat. Oh, dude. Yeah. I teared up. Not at that moment, but well, several times. For me, Ecstasy of Gold was yep. the second chill-inducing. The second that first bell hits on Ecstasy of Gold, it was just like, I mean, I definitely got chills yep. and got a little choked up. Me too. And then going into Cthulhu was like just wet eyes, lump in the throat. Yeah. It wasn't until <clears throat> bells, and here's what it looked like to me. It looked like the boys kind of, after they got through Cthulhu, mm -hmm. which by the way, I just learned it acoustically for cover, I wore black in volume four. It's going to be awesome. You're doing instrumental. I'm going to do an acoustic instrumental of Cthulhu. Interesting. Let me tell you guys something. That song is deceivingly complicated. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm sure that for them, you could see it in the film a little bit. Once they get that under the belt, mm -hmm. it seems like they ease up and they go into Bells, which is arguably one of the easiest songs in the Metallica. Well, and it they is. play it a lot. And exactly. It's, and so, yeah. yeah, it's probably in the top five most They've played. They've probably played it at the Ryman. After Bells started, I definitely eased up and started to have more fun. Yeah. Now there are yeah. a few moments that we'll get into where the emotions came back up, but right. what was it like for you guys getting into ecstasy and Cthulhu? I, mean, I thought ecstasy just sounded huge. Um, 
like Edwin said in, in, in the interview with him, he kind of sped up the ending a little bit more than the previous S&M. I could feel a little bit of dynamic differences from the first one. But um, uh, I don't know. I just Because this audio was so good in that theater, mm -hmm. like you said, it felt like you were at a concert mm -hmm. and like just how well it was shot too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were shots that like, because everything's, uh, you know, every camera is pretty much moving. And occasionally there would be a, a, a still shot on somebody, and I'm like, this looks like a fucking actual film, like, right, like a Marvel film or something. No, but it just it, it was so beautifully shot. It looked shot. exactly like Ant Man. Looked like Ant Man. That um, was my reference point the entire evening. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think that this film is better than the first one for sure. I'll oh, say hands this, down, man. Yeah. My my take was, uh, the the speed at which they had to put all this together to to make the release in the Incredible. movies. Oh, a month. And the, so knowing that and going in and having it sound that incredible, also looking on the screen and seeing the amount of like just the technology that had to happen to, that, that literally there is no other band that could do this. And because like, the budget to get it done, right? Like everything, all, all of it. And just technically, like every single piece of that orchestra had a microphone mm -hmm. individually on it. What did Evan say? There was seventy-seven orchestra members, or something. Seventy-five. I did not pay attention to the interview. It was something like that. And then, in addition to that, the the amount of like, besides the big cameras that are doing the bulk of the work and the ones that are moving, mm -hmm. there were spot cameras and GoPros. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. And it it was like the the amount of technical knowledge to like. Well, have all that yeah. exist in one stage and was to sync incredible. it all up to troubleshoot it. I'm thinking too about so if Paul for you as a mixer, what does it look like for Greg Fiddleman or Bob Rock? Like, let's say that you didn't record the project, you uh -huh. just got hired to mix it. Yeah. So someone like me, like when you mix Lunar Satan, I'm sending you all my stems, which was maybe 25 tracks, and uh -huh. then you they're all labeled and you put them all together and you you get maybe you you put the drums together first, you group those. How do you do that on a scale this big with the Metallica? First, the first thing I, that I leaned over to to Ethan were like, this sounds incredible. And I can't, it was like three songs in. I was like, there's no way that Big Mick is sitting in front of house with this whole orchestra and mixing it. And we started talking about he's probably mixing the band right. and it's feeding into another thing yeah. that's the, a guy that's got the orchestra side of it. I mean, as in a the, Sorry, as, uh, as as an engineer and mixer, how many inputs do you think? Were, I mean, even if, even if each orchestra member was one input, there's seventy five right there. Right. You know. I mean, I I think you're talking well over two hundred. Think over two hundred inputs. So how yes. do you do, do? You daisy chain consoles? Like, what do you do to do I, that? I, I really, I'm I. I would not be surprised if in the trade magazines like Mix Magazine or something, there's, there's going to be this. an article about yeah. how yeah. they pulled this off because it, it is... And this stuff, I mean, orchestra shows with bands, it's not totally uncommon, but right. to be done record quality, because I know Greg was involved mm -hmm. from the front about making sure... I don't know if... I mean, this is totally nerdy, but they weren't using the same drum mics that they used for the tour. Mm. It's like... Those were there. There were spot mics underneath the cymbals that are there for the. I know on the, um, like when we saw them in the stadium, and uh, they didn't. They never had like overhead mics overhead, hanging yeah. over the the kit. Well, those were there, mm -hmm. 
I'm sure that there were separate sound sources for the live performance, like what people were hearing in the arena versus what was being committed to, to tape. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even or think to about the computer. that. Idea. Is that the kind of thing that for you, I mean, I've, I dabble in engineering, I know a little about microphones, but that's the kind of thing for you. Like you're watching that and you're like, oh. I tried to not like... I tried to just take it in as a fan, right. but I couldn't help but notice some of that stuff. Well, yeah, and a, and a lot of that audio that's going to end up, you know, in the film or on the vinyl or CD or whatever, that's all going to a truck that's parked out in the back parking lot or right. whatever. Well, that's know. what Paul was saying. Like, so it's like, yeah, what they were being mixed for to hear in the arena mm-hmm. is not. It's all these lines are going separately to a recording totally, situation. Yeah, that's totally. That's well, something that's easy the, to take uh, to take for granted. That's crazy. And on top of that, like when people's comment, like, "Well, I couldn't hear James or whatever." Yeah. Uh, it's Metallica with an orchestra. I mean, the point was not just to hear right. the band, right? right? And for me to take a seventy-seven input orchestra or whatever, and have, you know. Ivan looked at it like when they show a shot of the guy playing the timpanis, the timpanis came up in the mix mm-hmm. so that oh, you yeah. could hear them. I mean, the the thought to to make sure it's not like they just got a good sound up and it's like okay, and let's left roll it, it. Yeah, yeah. It's every shot was mixed into right, and that that was mind blowing to me that they did that in that short amount of time. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it may get nominated for Grammys in terms of sound I, mixing and stuff. Yeah, I don't I see how so. it couldn't. Such yeah, an ambitious awesome. project. Absolutely. I know that Scott Pingel told me via personal text, by the way. Would hey, everyone Scott. in the orchestra get a Grammy? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that'd be a long acceptance speech. Long, yeah. long acceptance speech. It's like 85 people on stage. He said that Greg's team of mixers and engineers were working like pulling like 18 to 22 hour shifts to get it ready for the cinema. That's crazy. Well, I, I mean, I mean, you probably have to get in there once it's all mixed, ready to go. Then you have to send it over either send it over to who's syncing it with the movie or are you doing that all at the same time? I, I'm, I'm, I bet they're getting, I bet they started with a rough edit of the movie. Yeah. It's like, well, let's just get mixes going. And then they were probably receiving updates, update, updated edits. Right. And they were sending updated mixes. It's kind of, if you're, I don't know if you've ever scored a film, uh, but it's similar to that. You're constantly, <laughs> dude, apparently not. <laughs> he, he found, he cracked the code on you, man. It's like over. That's now. fine. I've never scored a film now. I'm, so you have a, a team of engineers here at the wonderful smokestack. I thought I did, but yeah, they've all bailed except for except for Bren the Don. The Bren Don, hanging on. There. Hey, make sure we're still recording, bro. So when Paul, yeah. when uh, Scott Pingle says that Greg Fiddleman's got his whole team working shifts, yeah. what does that look like? You got one, do you have like one guy working on a drum bus, one guy working on cello? Like, what do you? What does that mean? I think for the most part, it's so much of this is organization, just file management. I mean. That's a lot of of information. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, they probably had a guy that's like going through Lars's drums and making sure that, you know, you know, they probably are pulling from a rehearsal, mm-hmm. a dress rehearsal, night one, Which night we did, two. Which we right. did learn that. I don't know if you heard that Scott Pingle interview. I've, I haven't heard it yet. He actually said that a lot of the audio for the symphony did come from the rehearsal because it was the only clean audio. Yeah, no doubt. That's the other thing I was going to bring up earlier. Is that Shit, I didn't even think, man, this is like taking on... Because you, you... The d- mixing stuff, like, you, how many inputs are on stage? Let's say 200 or whatever. Two different sets of mics for drums and all that stuff. On top of that, you're battling the crowd. Right. With that many microphones on yeah. a stage, it's insane. Well, Shit. and that's why it's, I mean, kind of a trade secret or whatever, but 
you would typically record one or two dress rehearsals so that you have the cleanest possible right. audio. That even if the performances are great the night of, you have something without the crowd in it to be able to mix in. Mm -hmm. But then you got to be worried about syncing that with performance video. Yeah. Well, there's tricks around that too. Like, uh, I'm I'm sure that any shot where James is singing, you're probably hearing the audio from that shot of him singing. Right. But you know, they're they're I guarantee you they wore the same clothes night one, night two, they did. and yeah. rehearsal so that it all yep. looks congruent. I remember there's one uh scene, I can't remember what song it was in, but uh now that James's hair is long, it was more pulled back and kind of not as frazzled. Mm -hmm. And he's singing one line, and then it it went to an orchestra shot, and it came right back, and it was like <laughs> half of his hair <laughs> sticking out over here. Right. And it was like, okay, those are two different nights. Yeah. I saw someone also say that a, a, a distinguishing characteristic were the buttons on his shirt, that on one night, I'm going to get it wrong, because right. this oh, doesn't wow. interest me as much, but one night, one or two more of the buttons were undone. Right. Yeah. I love the Papa Het uh, buckle. Awesome. Dude, rad. I kept, so cool. every time that thing showed up, or was a shot in playing guitar, you could see it, and I was like, I need a pop head belt buckle. Yeah. I don't even wear belt buckles anymore, but this is so, I mean, I feel like I could talk the rest of this podcast about the logistics of mixing this damn thing. Okay. Cause it's dawning on me yeah. how daunting. Well, hopefully the project one day is. soon we'll have Greg Philbin on. He can explain it to us. Dude. I did. I did do the Hail Mary, uh, with some of our orchestra. I don't want to say the name, but yeah, yeah. some of our orchestra connections that we've developed recently, I did do the Hail Mary pitch for Fiddleman and it, it seems okay. It would be awesome. It seems promising. Yeah. But what's tough about that, and Paul, we got to have you on because I'm making another Hail Mary for Bob Rock too. Wait, if you have Fiddleman, I have to yeah. be in the room. Uh, it, or it, Bob Rock. It's absolutely got to happen. Bob Rock, are you kidding me? I can't be in the room with Bob Rock. Here's what, here's what, what if we have I'd be Phil Chris Howell. Farley with uh, Paul McCartney. Here's my trepidation, though, about talking to Greg or Bob is, you know, we can't kidnap these motherfuckers. And I want to talk to Greg Fiddleman about Death Magnetic, and I want to talk about Hardwired. Right, but you're gonna have to choose your battle. We're gonna man. have to just figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Same with Bob. I would almost you like to fly to Nashville for a week, Fiddleman, and uh, do an episode every here's, day. Here's what. Here's honestly what we can hope for. We can, we have to just decide what it is with Fiddleman. It's probably going to be S and M two because that's what's going on. Right. With Bob, it's probably going to be Black Album. Right. Uh, oh, what a bummer! But we. <laughs> oh, that's going to be boring. What we have to count on is that the experience is uh, positive enough for these cats that they'll want to come, come on again. Sure, yeah. Because I would love to do deep dives in every record Bob made, including Sun <clears throat> Anger. Right. I mean, I would like to do personal. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to quote the Paola uh, Tao. Phil no, Tao. Where he's like, I want to do personal development with each one of you yeah. outside of Metallica. He wanted to be a life coach for yeah. all of them. Yeah. Just making that ka-ching, ching 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 What was he making what? a month? Hey, how, we Wasn't can like get him on the podcast. 20 grand a month or something like that? I mean, we can get Phil Tao on the podcast <laughs> if he promises not to listen to any of our St. Anger episodes in which we we bemoan his Bacosby sweater. I sweatered. think it's safe to say that we, Phil Tao will probably not be on the podcast. Do you think that Zone It was Metallica's version of Nailed It? <laughs> <laughs> it was Phil's version Phil's of Nailed version, It. Phil's version, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, we we got a lot of mileage out of zoning it. There's yeah. a whole month, you know, months. Well, I mean, zoning it, zoning it's a lifelong commitment, really. I mean, you have to. Well, zoning it is a lifestyle. Yeah, it's and it's a lifestyle that determines your determines death your death style. style. Exactly. Because you, so I'm gonna zone it till death, man. Well, I guess for the time being, maybe as certain songs come up, we can dip back into this mixing sure. stuff. But it is fascinating. Damn, it is fascinating. It's almost more fascinating than just going through the set list, isn't it? Right. I just can't think of another project that had the scope of this in the last few years. Except for the know. first S and M. 
Well, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. But like, what else would it be? I'm sure there's another band player than orchestra, but this, yeah, but like, th- 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 there's not this kind of a presentation well, with it, like a theater release, vinyl, yeah. DVD, CD, all this. They stuff. know how to do it right. And before we get too deep in the the tracks, how awesome! Not to just say this is the 20th anniversary of this, we should do it again, but it aligning with the opening of uh, the Chase Center, the Chase Center, yeah, so cool. How they highlight the the arts in San Francisco the city, via the orchestra. Yep, right. The fact that some of those members had played the original S and M. That's cool. And the, they just know how to weave a story into so the smart. event. So I mean, smart. You know what they know how to do? Zone it. Yeah. Yeah. They zoned it real hard for S and M too. They did. They well did. they they looked up and they noticed that the clock was Fran tick 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 oh tick talking. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just waiting for another rhyme and insult. Uh a clear highlight for me was and of you know of course one of the highly anticipated aspects of this gig is new material. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Big highlight for me was the day that never comes. Yeah, that intro was incredible. Dude, the intro with just the orchestra was yes. great. James's vocals were incredible. How much do you think of the vocals are quote unquote touched up, meaning tuned up, reverbed up? I'm sure they TLC. You know what people would... say a lot that I and it's mostly people on Reddit, so we can take that with a grain of salt. Sorry, mm-hmm. Redditors. They talk they bemoan the uh, the auto tuning on S and M one. I don't notice auto tuning on S and M one. Do you, Paul? I'd have to go back and listen to it specifically for that. I ran to it about three months ago. Not a great uh, running record. Why is that? Just the, all the crowd. It's like <laughs> by the end of my run, I just feel like it was like. <sighs> yeah. Um, you feel like people are just cheering you on. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I. I don't know if they use it. I don't care if they use it. I use auto tune in my life. I'm sure you do as well, Paul. And you as oh, well. No. Wait, what year was? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. So well, wh- auto tune would have been around. When did Autotune become so ubiquitous? When would that have been? After 99. But it was still, a band like Metallica would have had access to that yes. kind of technology in, in Absolutely. 1999. Absolutely. I don't know, an argument could be made. I'd have to listen to it. I didn't notice any of it. I didn't really notice it in this at all, but... Hey, and newsflash, James is a great singer, people. Yeah, He's a great he doesn't singer. need it. Well, and if they have to use it on certain parts, maybe let's say both nights in the rehearsal, he just kind of just barely misses one part. It's not like autotune immediately makes you sound like a robot. Right. It can be used sparingly in a very conservative way where you just tighten it up a little part here and there. Yeah. Nothing too I'm crazy. sure that happened. Yeah. And, and, and that's the deal. Like on a great singer, you don't have to use it much. I use it on great singers just to barely round off some edges. If, if you're working with someone that's not a great singer, there's more surgical type of melodyne right. type mm-hmm. of autotuning where you can literally move parts of notes. Yeah. I don't detect any of that right. shit. No, no, no. I think probably the the MO, if it's anything, how we work here, it's like they probably went through. I would guess that there was, okay, of the two nights, this was the band's preferred night. They felt like they were locked more together. Or maybe they went through and did it song by song, but they probably had a list of best performance, second best performance, the uh, rehearsal performance. And so the goal would be to cycle through those and then if at that point it's like okay well the rehearsal performance was the best one but it needs just a little more than mm-hmm. you apply some mm-hmm. auto tune right. but it's not like you just slap it on right. and go there there's ways to do it where you're keeping the musicality of what happened you're right. just helping it you use it in a way where you don't know it's even there right which i guess makes the whole speculation and conversation about it fairly moot i think that thing probably just comes from if you listen to a normal show recording, uh, James 
probably sounds just a little tighter on this than yeah. the norm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this, this is going to be... Well, they're putting compression and EQ on. They're making it sound yeah. great. They're well, making I mean, it sound like a record. Totally. Also, too, yeah, this is going to be an official release on vinyl and CD and digital yeah. platforms. But <clears throat> so all of us Metallica fans are used to seeing, like, every other day they're putting, like, new vi live videos out from the World, Magne or World Magnetic. That one, too. But the <laughs> World, <laughs> World Wire Tour. Um, and those are those are put out even faster. Yeah. You know, and that's like one song at a time. So that's yeah. probably pretty easy. But they put them out so fast, they're probably not spending a lot of time with them. Right. So this thing sounds completely different than any of that stuff they put out. I'll tell you what I've been listening to a lot lately is Post Malone. And uh, I feel kind of late to the party, but it's been blowing my mind. That dude doesn't give a fuck about autotune. Weird. You, you yeah. can hear it all over. He, he didn't even try to hide it. We were well, just it's talking tech, about it. It's more of a stylistic choice. But the, but the thing is, he's a good singer. Like, you yeah. can hear that he's got a great tone. Yeah. And his, his penchant for melody... It's just absolutely mind blowing, but yeah, it's like they leave these little warps in there because I guess it's part of it. Yeah, they, they kind of annoy me. It's part of the sound. Yeah, but I guess that is kind of part of it. So you don't like share? Do you leave love? I love it. Yeah, we, we tracking that? Uh, we should, right. Hey, for the rest of the podcast, we should put auto tune on all of our voices <laughs> and put in some weird key. That yeah. would be fun. Uh, the memory remains. I apparently was night two because they let it keep going. I yeah. thought that was super fun. I I really enjoyed like seeing uh, like Lars and James. Like James was kind of like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Lars is kind of like, "All right, let's let's shut it down so we start the next song." Yeah. And also, there's a clip of Rob walking by, just putting his hands in there, like, "Yeah, keep it going, <laughs> yeah, boss." <laughs> it was so funny. I got chills during that, man. Yeah. For oh sure. yeah. Even just the very intro, just the way Hetfield comes in with that. He kind of almost does this little, like, you know, that little sound. I get a large personal kick out of the fact that one of the biggest moments of their live shows that brings the whole family together is a fucking reload track. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Eat Your Heart Out, original four thrash guys. That's right. Because yeah. it's right up there with the die thing. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Oh, in yeah. terms of just everyone is on the same page. Yep. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. I love it's it. It's such a, you know, come to Brazil soccer stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It was written for that. Yeah. The written for Brazil. Um, and the, the transition into confusion is so cool to me because what I can see as a live player in Lars, who has played across the world a million times, probably played. <laughs> I don't Lars know if the, Lars has played the He run. might not. Well, I'm going to have to. Which would actually flip the scale back to where Ethan's cool and we're not. Well, we'll, we'll have to get to the bottom of that. I'll put my detective skills on that. Okay. We'll find out. I may have a bone to pick with him about it too. All right. But you can see that he's nervous about starting confusion. And he kind of looks at Edwin Outwater like, what do I do? And Edwin Outwater's like, just start it. Yeah. Yeah. The crowd won't stop. So you yeah. see Lars, he's probably got a click in his ear, at least for intros. And yep. you see him just lean in and start. Yeah, I liked that moment. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me that they're Human. just four musicians. Yeah, totally. There might have even been a shot of Edwin before we see Lars actually counting off on the hi-hat where he might have like set the tempo for Lars. Right. That's what he does is obviously his conductor. So. And it's not like a normal show where, you know, like when they did uh, the Nashville show and they started the Loretta Lynn thing and, and, and he's like no, no 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 I really want to get this right yeah. you know you can't do that with the 80 piece no. orchestra right yeah. exactly it's like I, I'm sure he felt an immense amount of pressure at that moment For what sure. did you guys think about confusion being included it's kind of a weird choice right yeah a little bit weird yeah I mean with debuting all, all but two songs off of uh, Hardwired it was interesting yes. they chose that one but they've been playing it a lot lately so maybe it's just still fresh in the in the noggin so I think, like, to me, I, I don't know, I had a lot of confusing haha, feelings about it. Number one, it felt like a weird choice when they could have done 
Atlas Rise or mm-hmm. Now That We're Dead mm-hmm. or Spit Out the Bone, other songs that were staples, right. even the song Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Yeah. Uh, but it did seem like James was excited to play this song. He seemed to really be getting off on it yeah. and digging it. I dug it with the orchestra, though. I mean, I, yeah, I think well, it stepped it up for me. I wonder if it was a thing where the arrangement for that just naturally worked out so much better with the orchestra than, you know, I know they had some songs, right, that that were Actually, surprisingly, that, they didn't. Really? The, the only song that was on the list that didn't make it was Bleeding Me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because Edwin said that he was, and Edwin was given the choice, either Bleeding Me or Outlaw Torn, and he decided on Outlaw Torn. And he also knew that Outlaw Torn wasn't on the original. Right, right. He He was basically justifying our entire existence as a podcast. When Outlaw Torn, we'll get to it later, obviously, but pretty soon. At one point, they started (laughs) Outlaw Torn, and Paul leaned over to me, he goes, he goes, dude, they're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that that's such a thing. It's still Uh, a thing. Because, and again, I remind all of our OG listeners, you looked it up. I was looking at the back of the album cover. Looked it up. Nope, it's not on there. Nope, <laughs> not there. Sure ain't. Uh, confusion was cool. They kind of double pu- double punch us here. What do, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Double they down. Du- they double punch us. The double. What, the one two punch. The one two punch. Yeah. Good grief. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Welcome. Hello and hi. The double punch. The double punch of my fifth grade birthday they party. They double punched me. Uh, they won two punches with Moth, which Moth didn't disappoint, of course. Moth was rad. I do. We, we can get into this a little bit in set two, but I do feel like set one was a little more exciting. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. We, we can go through our reasons. Um, I don't have much to say about Moth other than it was awesome. And then, of course, the Outlaw Torn. How amazing is it? Because the Outlaw Torn S&M version, uh, all joking aside, yes, uh, is just a, a clear highlight of S&M 1, and it's the better version than the studio version. How crazy is it that 20 years later, he sounded that good still singing it? Dude, he sounded great. Yeah. It was unreal. It's almost like that song was was unknowingly written to have an orchestra behind it mm-hmm. and, and sound that good. Because I prefer the S&M version, maybe even this one. I mean, I thought their performance was so good on this one. Yeah. 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 James sounded fantastic, man. It seems also like for a song that they don't play much, he seems to have an emotional connection to the material. Mm-hmm. That's right. such a bummer. I mean, we don't have to get into a load reload thing, unload thing, but it does seem like it's un- what's unfortunate about a lot of that material being ignored is how personal it seems to James. Yeah. Which actually might be a reason why he doesn't want to play it. Right. Maybe so, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, isn't that what great song are in is though? It's, you know, talks personal to you. They mm-hmm. might come from what you're experiencing or something close to you experiencing. So, I mean, but I think I, what's cool about the orchestra is it to me, it accentuates how personal the lyrics mm-hmm. are. It, it it puts a different highlight on the music than if you were just to watch a live concert. And to me, that was like, there were so many moments where I connected with lyrics that have just honestly kind of just glazed over me underneath guitar riffs before. Right. Well, and that song lends itself to the orchestra too, because there's so much wide open space yeah. in that song. I mean, for a good wide long time. Wide open spaces, yeah. <laughs> there we go. He had room to make his own mistakes. He did, really did. <laughs> but it, I think it, it gave that that I symphony got with that one. <laughs> it gave the symphony in them a whole. So fun to just throw a talking lyric in there. I love it. Well, the first cut's the deepest. <laughs> just like Outlaw Torn, every hey, day's a hey winding now. road. You're an all star. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean the Outlaw Torn clear highlight for sure. Amazing song, really an mm. amazing song. Oh yeah, of course. I do feel like it went on a little jammy long. A little jammy long for me. I don't know if I really that really bothered me or I, I even noticed I'm, it. I don't remember feeling that. Okay, screw you guys. We um, were also kind of cuddled up. At there this was point a, there was only one uh, 
continuing theme that became too long for me. And it was the, I'm going to hit this symbol 800 times before oh, the next song the starts. Shh, yeah. Shh, shh. He kept doing that And a I'll lot. just get Ooh, Lars? Lars just standing by the kit. Shh, shh, yeah. Shh, yeah. I got a little old. They could have maybe dialed that back a touch. I do feel like the older I get, the more a clanging symbol just like pierces into yeah. my skull. <laughs> I kept thinking like, I wonder if he's looking at the uh, uh, Edwin and they're like setting up the orchestra for the next song and he's like, Splashing this symbol to <laughs> it's kind of yeah, I understand it gets it but, gets a little old. What's your production note to Lars on? If so let's say you're Greg Fiddleman, do you, uh, do you choose your battle there? Do you, do you yeah let, it ride? let Lars have his splash moment? I would let him have that moment and then retract half of the snare gunshot uh, love making. One. Before one with the... I uh, liked the idea of that more than the execution of it. Yeah. It I, got we, awkward. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll it get, went on a little long. We'll get to that. Okay. Sorry, hey, sorry. Cool down, my babies. Well, hey, hey, cool hey, down, hey, my babies. We're right. not there yet. Uh, no Leaf Clover. Incredible. Incredible. Great. No <laughs> problems with that. Although I was starting to feel... And again, I, was, I didn't have anyone to bounce this off with. I was alone. Abjectly, totally alone. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I what really time was the movie at when you saw it? I went to the 701 screening. <laughs> oh, okay. There was a 7 and a 701. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, surprisingly, my theater, not super packed. Okay. Wow. I think there was some confusion online because <laughs> when I went and bought the tickets for me and Paul uh, on Fandango, it showed 7 o'clock. I clicked on that and then all of a sudden it showed, showed 7 and 701. I was like, oh, that's weird. Must be some kind of glitch. So I yeah. just clicked on seven o'clock and it was like mostly full. So we we're closer to the screen. After I bought the tickets, I was like, wait a second. I went back and clicked on 701, almost empty. I don't think people realized that there was two supposed showings. to be two showings. I, well, I think because it was like right. a one night only thing yeah. originally. Well, know? I'll say this too, though. So I knew you had told me you had imparted that wisdom to me. And uh, the the seven o'clock show was sold out on the, on the night that I went, mm -hmm. whatever date that was, right. the ninth or whatever. Mm. But I still didn't see many. I felt like I felt like it was going to be like Metallica fans overtaking the Opry Mills Mall, right. and it didn't. Even during the intermission, where I went out to make a pee pee and got another beer, I didn't really see that many people. It kind of felt a little yeah. weird. Did you guys? Were there a lot of? Because I saw a lot of Metallica shirts walking in. Yep. But it wasn't like this takeover where it was like, yeah, like you know, no one was knocking over the popcorn machine or anything. Right. It wasn't like this chaotic... Well, I would hope that Metallica fans wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I can't wait, popcorn! But you said your theater was three quarters full? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mine was maybe half. Yeah, I think that whole 701 showing, I don't think people were really... I didn't really understand why it popped up, because literally, the first thing was 7 o'clock. Okay, cool. Click. Yeah. Then I'm about to click it again. Wait, 701? I was on a whole different page, so I just... Whatever, that's weird. Clicked on the normal one. So I, in retrospect, we should have had the 701 show. Yeah. But, uh, fun oh well. fact, the last time I was in that theater was seeing Through the Never. Oh, really? oh with Matthew, right? Yeah. Did you see that with Matthew? Midnight showing. Paul only goes to see Metallica movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has to wait every eight years or so. Right. It's actually the only two times I've been What did you think Mills. about Through the Never? Did you like it? Yeah. It's pretty I loved cool. It. Yeah, it's, it's pretty so, weird. I wish I had seen it in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, yeah, I felt cheated at the end when it's like, What's in the bag? It's in it was the like bag. the seven moment. Yeah, what's in the box? A little bright. I think yeah. I was supposed to go with you guys. I want to say you hit me up about it. I yeah, totally did. I, was, I don't know if I was on the road yeah. or something, but that's really cool and interesting because I guess my invitation was lost <laughs> in the old snail mail. 
<laughs> Just like when somebody invited everybody to go see a little band called Pearl Jam. I'll take that up with Brad Blazik <laughs> and the Brad Lyons no, on their show. No, 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 no. I'm talking about you. I know. I'm saying go vent about it over there. No, no, Guys, no. can we just Metallica. hammer it out in the studio instead of hammering it out on each other? Someone Nailed it. Someone yeah. mentioned that we needed to make a Metal Gear podcast shirt that says that, which I thought was a pretty good idea. Was that hammered out? The yeah. Kirk's whole comment yeah, yeah. that fell completely flat in the in the film. Yeah, Guys. I thought about wearing overalls today. <laughs> Do you have a door that won't slam here? Dude, I know all of our doors are pretty slammable. Yeah. What is it about that door that keeps it from slamming? It's like a hollow core Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, like, hey, we need a door for the control room. What's the cheapest that we can just yeah. throw I love up? that you called it hollow core. It's like a new metal genre. Yeah. Hollow core. What sort of a grind core, hollow core door that won't slam? Which is, what's funny is in the studio, you want a solid core. You don't want a door that you want it as thick as possible. Definitely not hollow core. No. Oh, no. Hollow core yeah. is a big no-no in the, in the, door, in the door world, for yeah. sure. Pure well, door purist. I do think also, and maybe just because I was so hungry for new material in this setting with the orchestra, I thought Halo and Fire was awesome. And I liked the album intro version. Mm-hmm, I was surprised mm-hmm. that I, because I, I thought that the creepy new intro e- James has been doing right. would have been great for an orchestra, but I kind of like that they kept it to the album version because I haven't heard it in a minute. I dug Me it. Too. Dug it. And of course, the the big outro was awesome. That whole thing was great. Ed, this was a great way to end the first set. Let's talk yes. about how fun Edwin Outwater was to watch. Yes. Oh, so energetic. I mean, haven't talked to him. His, you know, his personality matches that. Mm. But not knowing anything about him, like you expect, and uh, pardon me if this is some sort of unwoke bias, but I expected a more uh, demure, uh, you know, a conductor type. Please, yeah. pleases me. Uh, pleases me to conduct the orchestra. But he was like a damn rock star. He, he was, was like he was man, studded shirt and all. He was ready to roll. Yeah. He was ready to rock, dude. Yeah, it was such a pleasure talking to him and getting his perspective from that whole thing. Ethan um, and I were talking about midway through, like, I wonder if there's anyone in this orchestra that's, like, kind of not into this at all. <laughs> well, like, why did I sign up for this? Or or didn't really feel any way about it. It was just a job. Oh, I'm sure there were those. Like, uh, oh, well, my job is to play in the symphony. The and, crowd right. is so loud. Ugh. Yeah. We have to do the Metallica thing again. <laughs> I bet again. if someone did it the first time... And they weren't into doing it again. They would have just not done it. Yeah, so I think they were. They a lot of them were given the option to do it. Yeah. I think a lot of those people probably understood what a big deal it was, yeah. and they were part yeah. of kind of historical thing. But you know, in the classical community, there was one in that orchestra yeah. that did not know what a big deal it was. Right. He was he was rubbing Grey Poupon on his dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm, I have to go play with Metallica and Precious. His dog's uh, name is Precious. Mm, I know you love rubbing Grey Poupon on your fur. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll see you in a few hours. I'll be back, I promise. That's Mozart, actually, his, his dog's name is Mozart. Mozart please, Mo, he's yeah. a genius like Mozart was. In fact, probably more so, because he's my dog. And his veins <laughs> pump with grape porn. <laughs> so during the set break, I I think I tried to hang in for a minute because a lot of people went pee-pee, and I didn't want to be recognized as a famous podcast co-host. Yeah. We so, got. We did get. I don't know if I told us. We yeah. did get recognized, but after the fact, I got a, a comment on Instagram. Yeah, some guy was like, "I wanted to come up and talk to y'all." Didn't want to like bother you guys. Like, yeah. I, I think I was just standing by the bathroom waiting for Paul. Little did he know. Games. Little did he know how existentially bummed you were that no one did recognize right. you. I was standing on the counter with my head up, like someone's got to notice. Someone's got to notice, right? 
I was wearing a Metal Beer podcast shirt, and I was holding the banner, our banner. <laughs> nice. You had the merch, and I was waving, I was up. waving it like William Wallace and fucking Braveheart, and I had face paint on. <laughs> I had shirt, and I was, shirts for sale, and I was literally screaming, "It's me, Clint Wells from Metal Up Your Podcast." That's crazy. So amazing. I guess we. Had I kept yelling, "Paul's in the bathroom." <laughs> Paul, go see him. He signed autographs in stall number two. Okay, so I do feel like set two lacks a little bit of energy i think it could have been mapped out maybe a little better i love the idea i love michael tilson thomas i love his speech Mm -hmm. because the first thing they come back and do is this it's just the orchestra right right the skivian suite opera 22nd movement by sergier sergifakadi prokofalakopo cover (laughs) (laughs) prokofalakopo even try that's Uh, a tough one and i like that he you know he had a lot of charismatic vibes because he was like this these people were metal. They wore metal armor. It was cool. He was trying to like. T- it t- was like educational. Bridge. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I leaned over at one point and was like, I didn't know we were going to school. Yeah, I liked that, but that I did have to use the restroom. I wasn't bored, but I that was the moment that I yeah. got another yeah. beer. So you guys will have to tell me, unless you did the same thing, what this was like. It was cool. I, I thought it was very metal sounding to me. Yeah. He was he was correct. Like it, they definitely chose, I think, the right song for the orchestra to play without Metallica. Here, here's my take on it: is I thought it was great. If very quickly it had come back to Metallica concert thing, but if you see the set, we've got several things kind of right in a row that are kind of like down. Well, just downer and like the odd twist from just the S, the straight S and M vibe, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it just seemed to take a while to ramp up exactly, and maybe that was. I mean, I can see on paper that kind of being the idea and being sure a good idea. I guess it yeah. could have translated totally fine there, right? And you got we got to remember it's a live concert, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and and Edwin mentioned that that this whole feature of the orchestra by itself was Lars's idea, which right. is awesome. Which is super. I mean, it's I great. love yeah. that shit. I, I love that Lars was like, "Look, let's let's make this special for them too." Mm-hmm. It's their first time playing the Chase Center, also. Yeah. Right, and I do think they picked a cool piece. I I loved hearing about it, yeah. and then so how did they? I also missed uh, when I came back in. They were finishing up Iron Foundry, which is an Alexander Mosolov cover, and that's what the band playing. How did that? Yeah. How, I mean, what was your opinion of I thought, that? I thought it was fine. I mean, of course, the orchestra, orchestra sounded perfect, and Metallica played along well, and um, they had some cool parts that each kind of played on their own. I mean, overall, I kind of could have done without it. Yeah, you know, it was a, it, it was just. I feel like the orchestra moment by itself. Was, was such enough. a cool thing, sure. And then it was like, and here's the orchestra featured with Metallica backing, and it was like, I feel like we just found a, a part for each guy to play mm-hmm. so that we could do this. I would have loved if that um, the orchestra piece by itself ended, and then the orchestra came back in, starting to play the Unforgiven Three. Yeah, agreed. I would have loved if the orchestra piece had ended. James Hetfield picks up a sort of red presidential type phone that immediately rings me. My cell phone. Okay. And says, Clint, I want you to be my best friend, and I want you to live with me in Vail, and I want you to join Metallica as our official fifth member. But when That's what I wish When your phone rings, mm-hmm. all you see is that number that ends and I in 1981. It, and I screen it. Yeah. 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 Or because it's a robocall. I, yeah. I got 25 robocalls yeah. today, and that's the one I missed. Hi. We would like to offer you a cash offer for your house. This is James Hetfield. <laughs> Uh, I do think I chose the right moment for a bathroom break. Yeah. Now, I did come into them starting Unforgiven 3 and knowing that this was coming. 
of course, like the email we read earlier, this song and this performance in particular is taking on a new meaning, knowing that James, a week, less than a week later, would be checking himself into rehab. Mm-hmm. He seemed uncomfortable, but in a way that made me admire him more. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? I mean, how often do you see him sing without a guitar, without the rest of the band? And once. there was, and there were, once? Yeah, here. I, think, I thought you said the Unforgiven Three. I thought you said months. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, he did perform without a guitar for months when he burned himself up. He actually did that two times. Oh, True, yeah. but I mean, but that without the other guys in Metallica there at all, even you know, when he'll perform acoustic, whatever. It's rare that he's just that exposed. It is such a brave performance. You can tell that he doesn't know what to do with his hands. Mm-hmm. Because he's used to holding a guitar. I did think, I don't want to take anything away from it. I absolutely love it. It's an emotional highlight of the whole gig. Mm -hmm. I did think, you know, if I was producing that moment, I might have put an acoustic in his hands and let him... Just do some diamonds or something. I don't know when you guys cut vocals for you, because the three of us are... I don't know about primarily for you, because you play so many great instruments, but we're guitar players. Right. Mm -hmm. When I'm cutting vocals, it helps me to hold, at least even hold a guitar. I've done that before. I don't know why. Because in between takes, you can kind of find the note. Yeah. There's a lot of video of him doing that in the studio, holding a guitar and finding notes. I would have maybe put an acoustic in his hands. I don't know, man. I think they would have taken away from it. Yeah. I think that the way that I took in how nervous I know he must have been to stand there so exposed. Adding another element. Is just so, I mean, there were a lot of people that chimed in and said like, that performance makes them think he knew he was going to go in. I 100% think that's the case. brings me to what I've been thinking about since the movie. Quick little side note. Throughout this entire thing, did you notice that Hetfield seems to have pushed his voice harder than normal, maybe knowing that he's going to check himself in. Mm. Wait, what do you mean? I felt on a lot of the more aggressive songs, I felt like he was throwing out a little bit more growl in his voice than he normally does when he's really trying to save his voice during shows. Oh, uh, because he knew he wouldn't be singing <clears> for a minute. I have a so. feeling that he might have, that's just my just a theory. I just noticed he sang a lot harder during the heavier songs, mm. maybe knowing like, this is the last thing I have to do before I go into rehab. Wow. Mm. That was... It's interesting. I'd have to see it again. My big takeaway spiritually and like conceptually of this performance of this song was like, he's just such a cool guy yeah. <laughs> who yeah. who really believes in what he does. Like any interview you see with him, he's like, he's not real flippant about any of this Metallica shit. No, it's, right. it's, he's got riff life tattooed on his fingers. Yeah. Right? He's got his wife's initial and the M. You know, like Metallica's his life. Yeah. Right. So... I think that they, who knows how long he's known what he was going to do in terms of rehab, but I think at the very minimum, they all thought it was just a cool idea. Hell yeah. It's like, of course. That, yeah, right. that, I, and by the way, that lyric to Unforgiven 3, one of the best lyrics in the whole Metallica canon. Mm-hmm. They, they hold up so killer. Mm-hmm. Like the whole imagery of the nautical shit and trying to find stuff and yeah. the way it ties into the other two songs. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, you can kind of forget how amazing he is as a lyricist sometimes. But, right, yeah. But for me, him knowing what he was going to do, which I do think he knew he was going to be splitting, mm. like taking that on is almost a challenge to himself. Yeah. Sure, almost see it in his face that it's for him as much as the fans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I felt that way about, I mean, obviously we knew because the information came out, then we go to the movie. So I'm walking in wanting to see what's, you know, what can I glean from What was this? he revealing? Mm-hmm. But I felt like, and part of it could be chalked chalked up to his age now, but I felt like there was a a more stoic, less aggressive, more like constant scanning of the entire arena of like, man, I've got to 
take this in. Mm. It mm. seemed very internal and like right. Say like I want to savor this moment, kind wow. of vibe. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I God, I, I would imagine you would feel that just in general, being a musician, opening this new Chase Center and right revisiting this thing after twenty and it could years. Have been just but that. on top of that, I mean, you know, whatever he's going through and stuff, it might have been just like this whole surreal moment. Like, wow, there like, is that difference though. Like, and obviously, it's twenty years and a lot, a lot of things were different. But I've been rewatching some of the SNM one shit too, and it's definitely more of a playful confident mm -hmm. hell yeah we're here to do something cool and kick ass right yeah that's missing in this one there is a more somber there's kind of a somberness to him yeah. throughout the whole show man, I, I i thought the entire time i think i even leaned over and told paul at one point i was like man this just makes me miss james already yeah you know and it hasn't even been that long since mm. he went he went to back, to back to rehab yeah i know but i feel like all that culminated in this song yeah totally yeah, agreed I wonder what we all would have thought of. I mean, we saw some video of it like via YouTube, but without knowing that he had gone to rehab, I wonder because I don't know. It's it's such a palpable performance. There's like something going on here. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's different than like them playing bells. We were like, that's them playing bells, and it yeah. sounds cool. And Kirk is chasing Rob again around the yeah. thing. <laughs> There's something about this Unforgiven Three performance that's real heavy in kind of a weird way. I think so. Yeah, I think it was a very special moment for him, very personal moment for James. I think yeah. you know. As nervous as he was, I'm, I'm stoked and proud that he got up there and nailed it, and the crowd loved it. And the orchestra sounded great just doing that without the rest of the band. It's incredible. What do you guys think about St. Anger getting some love? It's pretty cool. I, I, it was cool. I dug it. I like that they brought up the dude that was from uh, one of the extra musicians from All Through My Hands to sing backups on it. Well, as soon as you hear him singing with James, it's clear why they did it. He sounded great with James. It sounded awesome, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love this performance. I mean, it's one of those songs I prefer this version of than the record. kind of made me want to hear more BGVs that are that solid in their work all the time. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe bring that dude out. He's you like this better than the St. Anger record? Can you believe it? You know what kind of is a bummer, though? There, there is this sound on the song, on the record, that's got this deftone sound, mm. this real compressed, faraway-sounding mm -hmm. drum, and this like droning electric. That's one of my favorite moments on the record. Right, and yeah. It's gone, obviously gone in this acoustic performance. Yeah. I don't miss the the kill 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 shit at the end. I'm glad that's yeah, gone. Totally. I I think this is cool. It doesn't it didn't poke out to me. I would give this performance of this song, this arrangement, and everything like a six out of ten. Mm -hmm. The only thing, I mean, as, as much as I like the arrangement, this is where it was kind of like, okay, we need to get back into something. Yeah. Because we still have to go through anesthesia, which is great, obviously, but it's still on the down before we're going back up in the world. Right. I think it's interesting that we've come to a point where any kind of hat tip to St. Anger makes me happy, even though it's my <laughs> least favorite record. I just thought it was cool. It was nice. No, I thought it was great, yeah. Yeah, so let's get into the Pulling Teeth, another highlight of the gig. You said you haven't heard the story of Scott Pingle, the guy who did this thing? I've, I've only listened to like the first 10 minutes okay, of the cool. interview. Well, as we've it's learned from cool. that interview, he went through a lot of TLC to compose it. And I mean, this was his idea, too. Yeah, I It wasn't that. a planned thing with it. That's, that's what blew me away the most. And he invested in all the gear. He went and bought pedals, and he, bought, he, he bought the upright bass, and specifically for this. Yes, just for this. Yeah, wow. he didn't even own any pedals because wow. he, he he like his, his upbringing was on electric bass, but he didn't hadn't played it in forever. And right. like, so he actually went down and had someone build a board for him. Wow, and had the wah in there and the overdrive pedal, the distortion pedal, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I thought he killed it. Yeah, for not owning, he had one of those like kind of bodyless electric uprights. Having not ever owned that kind of gear, he just annihilated this. And he's a monster player. Oh yeah. my god, he's, he's doing insane. Some, I mean, he's the principal bassist, for, you know. For but the he definitely channeled Cliff. Oh like, yeah, in 
in not in just the sound or whatever, but there was a certain amount of respect to his posture and the way that he kind of mm-hmm. got into it. Absolutely. I'm told he's getting a misfits tattoo on his right shoulder yeah. as we speak. And some bell bottoms. What I liked the most about it, having already talked to Scott, is I liked sort of feeling and hearing in the room that the crowd didn't know what was going on. Well, James did like a little intro where he's like, this is Scott Pingle's going to pay tribute to Cliff. So we knew that that was happening. But the piece is such that it starts a certain way, and it's really until he starts doing the boo, 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 boo. He does it real slow at first, and the crowd starts picking up on it. It's like, oh, that was cool. But when you sort of feel the crowd collectively understand what's happening, yeah. that was a super oh, fun so moment. Pa- I got chills, man. I kind of just did now. Either that or because Paul's lighting incense. This was such a great performance, and I mean... Scott should be beyond proud. They composed such a beautiful thing around yeah. Cliff's parts and had knocked it out of the park. Well, whoever wrote the email earlier, I'm sorry, I can't recall, who said that this is going to go down as one of the coolest things in the whole Metallica story. I, I agree with that. Well, them. that's the way the yeah. cookie crumbles. And that's the pink flamingo. <laughs> and that's the gray flamingo. We should, hey, just for fun, just as a right creative experiment, let's try some sign-off phrases. Just go for it. <laughs> well, that's the dog's hair. And that's how the nickel flips. And that's how the splash sizzles. <laughs> and that's the rug we walk on. Come on, Paul. I can't. You got something. And that's how you build a cheeseburger. There we there go. There you go. That's one. I'm Paul Moak, and that's how you build a cheeseburger. Good night, America. <laughs> I'm Clint Wells, and the balloon flies east. <laughs> I love that. I just saw you scanning the room for well, an object. I'm looking for something. I looked at these. Yeah. Uh, I'm Clint Wells, and the pebble hits the water. Skips seven times. All right. That's a long segment. Well, we can end that segment now. Now, (laughs) I might come back to that, though, because that's fun. So uh, for me, the sort of slowness of the last several songs made the next song for me an unlikely highlight. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been as excited to hear Wherever I May Roam. Yeah. I mean, because at this point, we're looking at a good, like, 30 minutes of downtime. Yes. It was a while. Yes. So yeah, Rome was just super exciting when I went into that. How about Kirk playing that weird sitar thing? Yeah, dude. I've never, dude, so I've never seen that. He played a fucking electric sitar. It was awesome. Yeah. Loved it. Kind of bummed it wasn't a big Robbie Shankar real one. He's like sitting in the in style. Oh, but that's the great. one they used on the record. Yeah, the one that's the Bob playing. Rock one, yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's the exact one. It looks uh, like it's a choral sitar. They're pretty rare. Perhaps it, it is. Do you have one? I, I do. Mine's a uh, newer knockoff version of the choral sitar. It was in the 60s. Okay. So... How many times have you played the Wherever May Ruin riff on that thing? Uh, every time I pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I, whatever record we were making here. You I hit. literally did it Friday before I left the studio. <laughs> well, how can you Just not? on the wall. Oh, yeah, exactly. I remember one time we were here in the control room and you put a B-bender in my hand. And it's like, of course I'm going to play Unforgiven too. Yeah. It's the only thing I know how to play on. have to. Yeah. I would, I would do uh, My Friend of Misery. It takes a second for me to get used to it. But. Yeah, it's weird. But... Well, Wherever May Ruin was fine. I thought it was awesome. It was a nice break from the kind of down mm-hmm. stuff. And then after this is where we get the weird sticky clicky part. Love the idea. Yeah, like the idea. So it was just the, the facial expressions Lars was giving yeah, the, the he, percussionist. What's his new tick with holding up the one finger all the time now? It's kind of like a hang on a second, wait till you see this. But then he just goes pat, 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 pat. And we're so like, he, okay. Here's what my takeaway. It had this, the, 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 the snarest. How many you call the percussionist? Whatever. <laughs> the snarest. Snarest. Oh, I'm Ethan, boy. and that's snarest to me. Um, there we go. Yeah. Pretty good one. The uh, snariest of them all. He, exactly. He was doing the clicky thing to emulate kind of the, 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 the rifle, gun, gunshot yeah, sounds. The machine gun. The camera didn't really move. All of a sudden, Lars just shows up in frame. It's like, oh, <laughs> Lars is there. Yeah. 
And then it was like this, all right, everybody watch this. It was just kind of weird. I think the idea was cool. The execution wasn't as cool. I think the idea would have gone over a lot. Oh, that's cool. The snare is the drum sound. I mean, is the uh, gun sound. Yeah. If they had just let it be the percussion. Yeah, I agree. Right, yeah. It, it, I think because the focal point kind of was all of a sudden, oh, Lars is down there. Yeah. Then you kind of forget. Such that, a ham. That they're doing this thing, that, that, you know, the intro to one. Yeah. And they kept hitting each other's sticks and yeah. like, but not right. Like they're bouncing I feel everywhere. like, and this is not going to be surprising, but I feel like the San Francisco percussionist guy, it actually sounded like guns. Yeah. Because that guy's probably some insane percussionist. Yeah. And when Lars did it, it was like rat a tat tat toot toot. That's the way the gong. Right, that's yeah. the way the gong. It was shillingles. To me, it was kind of just uh, similar to the now that we're dead drum thing. It was just it was something probably Lars thought up. I think he did. I think that Edwin told us that. And it was just kind of like, oh, this is fun. Okay, okay, let's do the song. I think yeah. it was it was Edwin's idea to to simulate the war sounds with the orchestra. It was Lars's idea to do that thing with the guy. Right. Yeah. It was just kind of. Hey, he's having fun. Hey, it's his show, man. Dude, yeah. Agreed. Uh, totally agreed. Step off, man. Meanwhile, the other three guys are like, as long as you don't have to play those stupid drums anymore, you do whatever you want. <laughs> I will say, when they owned one, James's clean tone sounded so good. Oh, yeah. dude, it did. So deep sounding. I know. It's awesome. Man, I love his tone, his live tone on that shit. Yeah. The, tone the, on the, the clean tone good. on this whole thing. Yeah, dude, Cthulhu was awesome. Cthulhu was, awesome. Kirk's was not, like, I'm not really a huge fan of Kirk's clean tone. I felt like it was a little dialed we'll, in. We'll get to that. Okay, okay, okay. I do think it was a little plinkety-plinkety on Nothing yeah. Else Matters. Well, we'll get to that. Okay, to okay, that. okay. Because I got some thoughts on that, too. Well, uh, one is kind of hard to go wrong, and as Edwin said in our episode that's currently out this week, uh, you know, that's one of the songs that uh, he thinks most mostly highlights the orchestra. Yeah. Like mm. That song was like almost written for that kind of drama yeah. For a, at least a quartet or something. Well, so. wasn't this one of the ones they said they actually did a different arrangement for? This one and Puppets. And Puppets. Did you know that, Paul? From the original from, SNM? From yeah. Michael Kamen's. Wow. Yeah. No, I didn't know It was that. those two songs where the band specifically requested a different take. I just didn't really notice, other than I think I mentioned it to Edwin, there's one one little trumpet part in Puppets going Let's into hear it. the... That doesn't sound like a trumpet to me. <laughs> there you go. I thought that was so interesting. They actually did different arrangements. Yeah. Yeah. I just wild. didn't think they were going to. You'd have to really know SM like in and out to. I didn't notice during one, but I did notice something was different during Puppets. Mm. I didn't notice. I just I, I just liked it all. Uh, all right. So, what about Nothing Else Matters? Okay. He should not be playing a strap. First of all, I know. Low action. I agree. Kirk on 100 this entire time, all of the solos, Kicked I feel ass. like. Kicked ass. Unbelievable. Like, actually inspiring to me, like, how energetic and on it and tonally and everything until the intro to Nothing Else Matters. You can play yeah. the fastest thrash solo perfectly, but you can't go boom, 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 without fretting out and it's... And it's every time he plays it. I, I think a lot of it has to do with not only his tone on that. It's it's too too clean and maybe a little too compressed. Uh -huh. I feel like that strat he plays been playing on lately. The action's so low. It yeah, sounds you hear like the it, strings buzzing. You totally do. But even more than that, I think what it is is he's not playing a pick there. He's using his fingers, right. and he it's like you've been playing the song for twenty five years, and 
it should be second nature, but it always looks like he's struggling. I know. I and I hate that. Like when years. the when those moments happen. Well, f- well, remember, guys. Uh, for many years, I believe on the Black Album tour, James played the intro. I love when James played the intro. Um, I mean, he wrote it. It was conceived probably in a hotel room. It came from his hands, and it's a moment where I think for a long time James went off stage and either did a guitar change or had a break, mm-hmm. and then he comes in on that boom, ba da da da, boom da 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 da. And uh, the part is so cool. I mean, it really yeah. is a cool, interesting Great, yeah. riff. But I agree. Any, anytime, anytime Kirk's up, like Kirk's up to bat for that, I'm always like, so, ah, I'm pulling for him. Come yeah, on. It's so cr- I mean, like when he plays the national anthem at the, you're like, dude, come on, come on, let's come just land on. it. I'm almost land watching it. Or, like, or really the seventh inning stretch. That's always the. You know what I think? It's yeah. you know guitar. I think would be awesome for him to play for that is like a big body three thirty five or something. Yeah. yeah. Something with some tone, like some well, he, actual yeah. resonance in the in the in- he, instrument. Itself. He normally plays a Les Paul uh, custom, which is a, a badass guitar for that. Yeah, but the move to the Strat, which we saw in Bridgestone, you know, yeah. this is kind of a head scratcher. It's a little yeah. weird. That was kind of the only part of the whole set that I was like, oh, I wish they just really dialed that in a little bit better. Right, it's a different guitar, different tone, whatever. I do have to say this too, by way of confession. Um, after nothing else matters, I left. Yeah, he left during Interstate. Unbelievable. I had, I, had, I had an unusually early bus call the next morning, and I was tired, and uh, I was emotionally kind of drained from this mm-hmm. experience, and I didn't imagine many new revelations, so I missed Michael Tilson Thomas jamming out on keyboards. That, oh, dude. And that I'm, was weird. Well, we, let's, we let's were talk texted about, about that. Yeah, during Interstate, man, toward, it was, wasn't it right after the boom, that part? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, what's funny is like somewhere around Master of Puppets, I was like, why is that red Nord all of a sudden like sitting they on the side of the there. stage? Yeah. yeah. And it's that keyboard is such like a eyesore for an all black, you know, black tie affair kind it's of It's one thing. of the yeah. best keyboards you yeah, can they're, get. They're amazing. They're amazing, but it is But in that context, red. it's bright red. Yeah. And so every shot, it's just like sitting there and I'm like, well, something's going to happen with this. Well, and it was interesting. Um, they didn't really make a big deal out of it, but Edwin and Michael Tilson switched for right Inner Sandman right the conducting right right switch it for the last song and it was uh, yeah towards the end it was all of a sudden it was like I'm done conducting I'm gonna go jam out with the band yeah. it just felt kind of like who let dad on stage oh and I and, and no disrespect to him he, I'm you know he's a, a world renowned um, composer and arranger and conductor and all this stuff it just seemed weird because the shot was like him and Hetfield and he and he was kind of bouncing up and down on the Nord it was just kind of what was he playing I mean you couldn't hear was he playing anything. like an organ or something. No, was, I I honestly couldn't hear. It I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> what if he, they solo that tone? Just like blinky, blinky, blinky. It's like a little harpsichord, <laughs> or he's just playing chopsticks. So another thing that I'm bummed that I missed was there like a big fan thing after Inner Sandman. They it was like during the credits, there's like all these highlights of fans mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It was really cool. How cool was it to see Metal Up Your Cup podcast people in the movie? We saw Edgar, we saw Chris Yurgis. Yeah, Chris and then in the credits, we saw several people that are even patrons. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so just, cool. It was so crazy to see that. Yeah, we kind of stayed till the end of the credits. And yeah. You, we were there was hope- someone we were looking for and we couldn't find him. Oh, I was looking for Wes's name. Uh, the crew, but it was going by we pretty have, quick. Yeah, we might have. I think by the time we were like, oh, we should see if we can see him. Yeah, it was, well, it was probably at the very beginning. It was probably like Metallica is, you know, West, West. the band. <laughs> and, then it was, and then right after that, it was just like, you know, Word Wedge, West yeah. Fisk. So that's right. why we missed it probably. Would it have said Word Wedge? I don't know. 
either that or you you know i'll say this during that show you like you know in general you can't ever see those things really you see a lot of it so, well yeah it's in the round and yeah. and you know but it was interesting to see that and every once in a while i would see the, the like the page switch to something else i'm like oh wes just did that yeah that's cool we yeah. still have an episode in the can with wes where he explains all that by right the way. yeah and, and he's also uh one of the three people in charge of the tuning room. Yeah, we'll get that out uh, eventually here. I do. I don't live in the past. I don't try to dwell on the past because life is what happens and you got to keep moving forward. It does seem like a bit of a boo-boo that we did not go to the, these shows, mm. these SNM2 shows. Yeah. It was just so hard to figure out the logistics. Well, I was in Europa. I was in Japan. Japan. Well, SNM50. <laughs> hey, dude. dude SNM40 all... is going to be sick. Well, we're, it's an exciting time. Since they announced it in March, I've been uber excited about this, and we are now living in the moment. The shows have happened. Yeah. They went great. We heard from all of our buddies who were there. The film has come out. It went well. You know, I just had a thought. Mm -hmm. Do you think that when it became apparent that you guys were not going to make SM2, mm -hmm. that they were like, well, let's make a movie and put it in Opry Mills Probably. so they can see it? Yeah, It would shock me if that wasn't the case. I'd, I'd imagine that would be the case. Yeah, see, it may, makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for them to text me back from that number, <laughs> so maybe they can elaborate. I'm just gonna text them every night before I go to bed. Well, Hi, James, <laughs> no, you hang up. No, you hang what up. What are you first. thinking about right now? I think we're looking at the same moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always a treat to have the wonderful Paul Milk on the show. Oh, thanks for Paul, having Paul Milk. This is fun, man. Thanks to his uh, massive team of engineers in the room for. Uh, Keep an eye on this. Look at just so many heads yeah. just popped out. Look, I can see it. Oh my Zach, gosh. talk to us. Talk to us. Give us something, Zach. Please how do, tell how, me we're still rolling. How do you think it went? Oh, did you want to record that? <laughs> nice. Damn it. That was just, this is all warming up to the actual episode. Hey, but here's one thing. How cool is it that, you know, there's been several times that you've mentioned over the last couple of months, like, we don't know what's going to happen after this tour because the boys might go dark and yeah. the podcast won't be interesting. All the craziness that has happened since. Maybe three months ago. Since we mm. said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, interesting. But no, really, it's like, I, I kind of want to call you out on some BS. I don't think there will ever be a dark time that this podcast shouldn't be going. There's always going to be Metallica yeah. information. Well, that brings us to our announcement of retirement. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. They, they, they're, they're, especially now with social media being even bigger than it was on the last album cycle. Right. Even when they're, let's say, locked in a studio for three months, four months recording a record, there's still going to be things announced and put out there. They're constantly keeping their fans interested, yep. interested and engaged. And that's what I love about this band. You it's mean like, three or four years? Three or four years. Look, people are always going to want to know exactly where I stand on Carpe Diem Baby right. yeah. from 1997's Reload. So as long as that, as long as that hunger and that thirst exists in the Metallica community, fire burn out, man. I will be here to talk endlessly about it, the merits it. of it. I love it. Uh, what should we say when we leave? Should we say... That's the rat's tail. <laughs> That's the cat's number one pajama. That's the way the... <laughs> I can't do this stuff, man. That's the way the sewing machine That's, sews. There we go. That's the denim's button. That's the way the string hangs. <laughs> hey, you can put that in there and you can lock it up tight. <laughs> what else can we do? You can put that in there and digest it. I'm Clint Wells and the boom stand hangs high. I'm Ethan Luck, and you can swallow that and digest it. I'm Paul Moog. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, flames hot. <laughs> flames hot. <laughs> all right, well, we'll just catch you all in the flip-flop saying peace. Adios. Thank you. Thank you. We did it. Thank you. I'm Paul Moog, and flames hot. <laughs> Master! <laughs>
So here's the name of the game. Okay. We're just All right. literally saying names. Now, it's I find it's helpful to draw on real experience, okay. and I find it's helpful to try to remember names from when I was in school. Okay. I'm going to lead us off. All right. Derek Barr, Kevin Rapillo, Shana Abair. Are we, are we doing a bunch of the time? I thought we were just going to go around the horn. All right, let's do that. Okay. Bill Bradsky. <laughs> Christina Jensen. John Smith. I'm terrible. John Smith. John Smith. I think it's better if you just. I think it's better if you try to shoot out a, a line of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. Bill Withers. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Stone Malone. Kip Kilpatrick. Meredith Brooks. Sean Mullins. Eddie Vedder. Keep going. Scott Weiland. <laughs> I'm just naming band members now. You're just naming names. Gene DeLeo. Robert Grattinson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on. Um, Emilio Estevez. Charlie Horse. Jane, F- Jane Fanda. <laughs> I love that yours, yours always seem to go back to pop culture figures from your childhood. Yeah. I named someone from like junior high a bit ago. Christina Jensen. Blair Thomas, Rick Moranis, Stephen <laughs> Holbert, Stephen Baldwin, Christian Billy Baldwin, Christian Manifold, Christian Slater, Stratton Delatabody, <laughs> Mike Witherspoon, Val Kilmer, <laughs> Mike Sarah, Kill Michael, Kill Michael McCarlson, McCarlson <laughs> Jones, Joan Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. Cuomo del Toro. Benicio del Toro. <laughs> Benicia Scott. Cameron Diaz. Johnny Diaz. Coco Razier. Coco Beware. Be my Valentine. Bloody, my Bloody Valentine. Buddy Miller. <clears throat> Steve Miller. Miller Light. Richie Stevens. Steve Stevens. Steve Steverson. Scott Severson. Scott Stapp. Uh, Creed. Brad. Stappy McStapperson. John F. Kennedy Esquire. <laughs> John S. Preston McFarland. Shaka Khan. <clears throat> Kil- <laughs> Kilroy McDerverson. Dillant McDerverson. Stonewall Choreography Nick Heaven. Luke Perry. <laughs> Laney Sprinkles. Simon Garfunkelson. <laughs> Garfunkelson. Oh gosh. Wally Fingers. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this is a bonus round. Now this is okay. a different kind of game. Oh my gosh. This is arguably harder. And I will lead by example, but here are the rules. Just say words. Okay. <laughs> say words. Check it out. You ready? Think mm-hmm. of words that's even harder. Tree, hat, fish, balloon, Wall, cycle, street, pavement, tire. These are all related, and I don't like that. Oh, they were? Tree hat fish balloon. That's a great starting okay. point. Tree hat fish balloon, Simon, fence, goalpost, head injury. Uh, wood, chair, um, ceiling, countertop. All Sorry related. To be related. All related. Guitar, ca- clouds, house, ocean, uh, parlophone. There we go. Uh, Jeremy, why go? Uh, e- even flow. <laughs> hey, this is a Pearl Jam set list from 1992. <laughs> What happens is you do a few rounds of this and it fucking opens up your mind. Yeah, I'm ready. I, I need my mind opened up. Saran wrap, Frankenstein, lemon butter, lemon pepper, pepper school, seatbelt, heart attack, manifest, destiny, crap sackle, gong, hello. 
uh, snare drum, uh, trash can, mailbox, uh, Radford pear, um, chimney, um, zero turn lawnmower, comforter, faucet, uh, guitar, keyboard, <laughs> drum. Uh, hang on, I really want to get fire this. Fire hot. I want to get this. Um, fire, match, motorcycle, boot. Knife. One single ball related. <laughs> wait, wait. I got to break it. This is Paul's Hang on. Outfit. Yeah, yeah. Um, cereal. Kids. See? I can't do it. it Stepdad. Season tickets. Bicycle. Manifest. <laughs> farmer hen. Milk. Cow. Shoe. Fish. Balloon. Hat. Trick. Feeble. Ballpark. Ticket. I think this is something that only you can do. No, no, no. You're I believe just, in the those power. are starting to relate a little bit. I have a lot of experience playing this horrible, strange game. Do you do this with your daughter? No. I do this with gr- other grown adults. <laughs> this is your studio exercise? Usually in a small tent in the desert with having eaten peyote. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm I got some acid in the car if you can try that with. Well, I guess we should wrap this up. Okay, let's do it. Tree at Fish Balloon. Tree. Basket Sky. Scott Seaver. Mary. <laughs> Mary of Joseph. <laughs> okay. Well, we did it. Okay. Or what would you say? And then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>